Hello everybody, Merry Christmas and welcome to episode 555 of Conversation Street with me, Michael. Me, Gemma. And also special guests, Alina's grandma. Oh, you're welcome, thank you for having me. Spider Nugent. Oh, it's quite a nice film for course. Um, who else can we have here? Stephen Reed. Oh my goodness, thanks so much. <laughs> I, got, I got you a hip flare. <laughs> um, well, you didn't tell me you were going to do this. I didn't, I'm just making it up. Um, Helen Flanagan. <laughs> Happy Easter, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anyone else that would like I to? I think that's all of us. Adam Barlow is here, everybody. Oh, oh, Happy oh. Christmas to all of you. <laughs> Happy Hogmanay to come. Um, that, and that'll do. There are so many guests here. So many. Um, um, it's uh, oh, I it's know. It's crowded in this room. It's Summer's robot here. I don't know that. No, I haven't got Summer's robot ready. But he's here in spirit. Summer's everybody robot is not here because he was too busy doing <laughs> the alternative Christmas speech on Channel Four <laughs> oh, yeah, on Christmas Day. <laughs> oh, happy Christmas, everyone! I hope you all had a good one. It is. Uh, it's Tuesday, the twenty seventh now, so we're past it. We're past Boxing Day. We are past it. I'm sure lots of people. And we're here to talk about more Christmassy curry. Stuff. Did you have a nice Christmas, Gemma? Yes. Still going in it though. Yes, I um, I was hosting Christmas for the first time in my life. I know. Yeah, you did. Because yeah, usually we alternate between my parents and um and Gemma's parents, and and this year and we did we've it. Got didn't a nice we? house. So I say can... we hosted it, but I was just there. You were there. I, weren't I didn't you? do much to be honest. I did a bit of tidying up, but Gemma cooked some lovely, lovely food. I did, and I I'm uh, very chuffed with the turkey. It did a good job on that, I reckon. Huh? Spatchcocked it, cooked it in 45 minutes. Yeah. Five kilogram bird. I didn't know you could do this. So, so next time on Coronation Street, people say, oh no, I've got oh, to switch the oven on turkey. or whatever. Just, yeah. just spatchcock it. And then just take fine. the spine out and yeah. use it for stock. I don't think there are any um, Christmas dinner disasters on this year's Coronation no. Street, actually, were there? I all, like seeing everybody... It's because in... Aggie was at work, wasn't it? She, she, yeah. she, she, she <laughs> was there in charge at number three. I like I like seeing people eating their Christmas dinner. Yeah, well, we saw a little bit of that, and yeah, talk about that today. Um, we we did get some Coronation Street presents this year, didn't we? We did. Um, for example, this is the first one that I opened, and this was a present from your mum and dad. This was a Christmas Eve present. It was a Christmas Eve present. It was a book. It was one of the old Darren Little books, Coronation Street, keeping the home fires burning. So I've got quite a few of these old books, but I didn't have this one. And this is um, apparently the enthralling saga of life on Coronation Street during World War One. I don't think I've read a World War One book actually from Coronation Street. No, it's, very and it, it's got um, there's a little thing in the corner that says includes the captivating story of how Albert Tatlock met Ina Sharples. Well, I want to know. Well, I tell. Uh, Do you know? I I, I can't you remember. Started reading it. I've not started reading this because I did get another book for Christmas as well. You got me Melanie Seasel to buy it for I know that was my mum and dad as well. You would yeah. you'd never dare. I wouldn't buy you, that. You wouldn't sell your hands with that, would you? Um, and we also got um, we also got. Um, should we do this one next? Yes. Street talk. No, no, no. It's not street talk time. They everybody. ripped us off. Yeah, the back in nineteen eighty five, they totally ripped off this podcast by <laughs> publishing a book called Street Talk: The Language of Coronation Street. Now, this is a very, very special book to me because this is one I've mentioned it a few times on the podcast before. But this is a Coronation Street book that they had in my school library in my secondary school. It was the only, you know, I'm sure that I'm sure that most school libraries don't have any Coronation Street books in them, but mine did. And um, it's this book that was yeah published in the mid eighties. It's like as a guide to Northern slang. Um, you were reading a bit at the beginning, weren't you? Is it um, Canadian? A guy written? from Toronto wrote it, but he mm. very interestingly he um, he was in contact with Coronation Street and Granada Television, and Bill Podmore and Harry Kershaw and the archivist at the time Eric Rosser all helped him 
with uh, putting together this. So basically, it's a glossary. Like a glossary, yeah, of, of, of northern slang. Yeah, uh, which I, I really like the idea that um, it was written by a Canadian mm. who's watching it at home going, I don't know what they're what, talking what, about. What are they saying? Probably <laughs> less useful these days. There's lots of old-fashioned language in there, but it's funny just having a skim through how many phrases in here they do still use even if it's just stuff like they've got the word spliced in there which is what um fizz said on on uh, sunday wasn't she well they've also i think this actually if you can find this book because it's out of print but you can still get it on amazon um i think a lot some people who listen to this podcast might actually like this book it's really really fascinating it's also got like some very standard slang in it like do to mean party yeah it's, so, it's No, it's great stuff. Well, we thought that rather than doing a quiz this week, well, a normal quiz, we would test each other on our in-depth knowledge of um, northern slang of days gone by. So well, we've each picked five words and phrases yep. that we're going to read out. Play along at home, listeners. Yeah. It's Christmas. And, uh, and you, you, you might, see if you know what these mean. You might be from the north. Yeah, maybe you like, we, t- we say this all the time. And you might go, well, nobody says that. I didn't realise nobody said that. <laughs> um, right. First one, Gemma. Now, you might be a bit, you know, you might guess what this one is first, but you might be wrong. Okay. Knock her up. And I don't mean knock oh, her up. Okay. Yeah. So, do you, can you tell me what, what it means. a knock her up is? Is it? Um, I think I know. Well, come on, tell me then. But can you use it in a sentence? <laughs> um, okay. Um, it's not to do with getting pregnant, is it? Um, it's not to do anything with getting pregnant, no. Um, we had to rely on the knocker up this morning. Yeah, it's when somebody knocks on your door to wake you up because they didn't have clocks. Uh, they didn't knock on the door. They knocked on your window. On your windows, yeah. The special stick. They don't do this anymore, but apparently uh, it says a man employed in the heyday of the textile industry, so there's your Corrie link, to knock on bedroom windows in the early morning with a long stick to wake families for the first shift of the day. Old members of the street used to reminisce in the snug about the knocker up. So maybe if I read this, keep the home fire burnings, maybe there'll be some knocker uppers <laughs> in, up. in that as well. I don't know. That okay. sounds like the start of a horror movie. Do you like reckon? The, it's like the Babadook, the knocker up. Oh yeah, that could and be a nice Victorian era. Yeah, and he's like, "You've got get to that, get, get that down." Yeah. Okay, right, right. right. Down next, down. next old-fashioned word from me, Gemma. By the way, I've got the second half of the dictionary, and Gemma has got the first half. So yeah, um, right. Lob coddled. Lob coddled. Oh, sorry, it's not lob coddled. It's lob lob codded. What lob-codded. does lob codded mean? Um, I'm going to assume it means something like being drunk. But can you use it in a sentence? Um, our cabinet is. Lop-codded. Um, it doesn't mean junk, I'm afraid. Lopsided. It, yes, it does. Lopsided, cockeyed, not perpendicular. Not perpendicular is how the Queen would say it. Yeah, E. Albert, that table's all lop-codded. The King, yeah. yeah. Um, next up, we have got... Um, okay, ready for this one? Yeah. Um, marker. And, and there's a phrase, to have one's marker down. What does it mean if you oh. have your marker down? Oh... Your marker down, like it's not to do with a pen. Then invented pens, then. <laughs> <laughs> your marker, um, something to do with your status. No, it's not. No. no. Use it a sentence. Um, I'll give you the sentence from the book actually. When mechanic Kevin Webster's family moved to Southampton, he had his marker down for a flat above Alf Roberts' corner oh, shop. Oh, he was look. 
he was looking out for, he put his name in for. Yeah, that's exactly, yeah, reserving it if you're okay. putting your marker down for something. Absolutely. Interestingly enough, there's a different part of the glossary that I was looking through, mm. and they mentioned the Webster's going to Southampton, and that it must have been quite the to-do well, back this, in Well, this was 1985, yeah, I mean, the Webster's went to Southampton, that must have been in 84, Well, they must have, like, we've got to put that in, that's this a is, contemporary reference. It is, it totally is. Right, um, two more left. Not so dusty. Uh, this is clever. If somebody is not Canny. so dusty, it doesn't mean that, no. Uh, use it in a sentence. Um, okay, uh, I'll, I'll use it in, a, in, in, in some dialogue. Um, <laughs> how are you doing, Jack? Oh, not so dusty, thanks, oh, Albert. All right. Yeah, it I'm does. All right. Yeah, it means I'm all right. I'm, I'm not so dusty. Fair to middle. You need to bring all this back. I know, totally do. Last one from me. Um, what does it mean, please? Um, <laughs> To to queer the pitch. <laughs> I think it's something to do with um, uh, bringing something up in a in a conversation that nobody wants to hear. It's not as a good guess though. I like it. Um, <laughs> Don't I'll, use it in a sentence. I'll use it in a sentence. Um, Brian Tilsley remarked that he hoped urban renewal would not queer his pitch. What I don't, I can't even. <laughs> Um, I wonder. I wonder whether um I can re- use it in a more. I don't know. Reference. Answer, answer what it is. Um, it means to ruins one's plans or prospects. Oh. Yeah. So well, I like, shan't be using that. Um, we we yeah, back. we we wanted to record a podcast today, but then the, the in laws came round and it queered our pitch. <laughs> I, I guess. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Next up, what we got? <clears throat> okay, banjacks. Bam jacks. Ban jacks. Ban jacks. Ban jacks. Uh, well, that's obviously a bit like the uh, the No Homers Club from The Simpsons, where there's there's a part in, in Coronation Street where Jack Walker, Jack oh. Webster, Jack Duckworth, none of them are allowed no. in. Is <laughs> no, no. Go a sentence then, please. Uh, it's from the book. Eddie Yates was frequently banjaxed after a day empty in dustbins. Oh. Is it just been tired out? Then? Jack Duckworth would be banjaxed thinking about it. Does it mean tired and yeah. exhausted? It says banjaxed. to break, ruin, or in the personal sense, exhaust. Oh, or knacker. Going. Are you feeling a bit banjaxed? You I'm were ban- right today. I'm right banjaxed. It's only okay, Tuesday yeah, early afternoon. Okay. Barney's Goose. You got some good ones. I know, I do. Barney's Goose. Barney's Goose. I don't even know. Um... <laughs> I'm trying to think of characters called Barney and I can only think of David's rabbit but I don't think he had a pet goose um, I guess you're going to have to have that one in a sentence Barney's goose, what does that mean? Spider's such a Barney's goose <laughs> <laughs> That could be anything um, Is it um... I tried to have a discussion with Spider but he was just being a Barney's goose um, Is it somebody who doesn't, isn't saying anything, it's been a bit um, quiet and secretive. Louis Walsh is a Barney's goose. No, I'd go on, what is it? Person who has no opinions of his own and always agrees with whatever one says. Oh, come on, Spider's got plenty of opinions. No, he's going, yeah, I do, I, I am a racist. <laughs> no, but he's also saying, save the planet. Yeah, but so he's only saying it to people that already agree with him. Oh, right, Barney's right. goose. Okay, interesting, I, I like that one. Yeah. So if, if there's a if there's a storyline in Coronation Street that we've not got much to talk about today, like what do you what do you think of the um the sofa storyline? 
He's, don't be a bit of a Barney's goose about it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Next. Um, fly cemetery. A fly cemetery. Flies cemetery. Oh, okay. Cemetery of many flies. Okay. Um. Uh, is it like? Is it like a windowsill? I'm trying to think of a place where you see oh, dead good flies. Guess. No. Is it? Am I on the right track? No. Oh. Um. Or sometimes if somebody's like um, asleep with their mouth open or whatever, <laughs> no, is there you catching flies? Good that, one, no? but no. no. What's a fly sentence? Um, I went to Roy's and I got a fly cemetery. Oh, is it an Eccles cake? Yes. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need Very somebody clever. to go and ask for Shona for a fly cemetery. Yeah. Okay. Well, I need her to use that. I think it'll be quite funny for her to um yeah to say. Do you Bring know back, back in the old days they used to call these fly cemeteries? <laughs> Okay, my next one is Fratchy. Fratchy? I think this sounds like what it means. Fratchy? Yeah. It just makes you think like like itchy and scratchy and things like that. Is that anything related to, you know, having a bit of a, a, bit of a twitch or the an origin of thing? The origin of the... No. No? No. Okay, end a sentence, please. Um, what's up with her? She's Fratchy this morning. Oh, is it if you're a bit a bit narky, a bit um you know, a bit a bit in a mood, a bit in a Yeah yeah, quarrelsome or irritable. Okay, we can definitely use that in this week's street talk. Ina Sharples and Annie Walker use the expression when discussing others. From fratch, quarrel or make an unpleasant or creepy Fratchy. noise. That's brilliant. Fratchy. Okay, you got one more? Yeah. Last one. In all my born puff. In all my born puff. <laughs> 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 um, born puff. Yeah, that's like breath. Is it to do with breath or um, is it like in all my in all my life? Does it mean that I've never? Yes. Known? Yeah. In all my born days. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Oh, in all my born puff. Is there is there a sentence in the book? Uh, no. But well, I enjoyed that. That was good. I think you did a little bit better than me. But you you had some quite tricky words there. Yeah. Fratchy. 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 I think this one. this book is a, is an absolute treasure trove and um, I want I want them to bring it back. It's brilliant. I love it. I love it. Right. Pop the book down now, Gemma, because we have one okay. third Coronation Street Christmas present that we need to talk about before yes, we, do. we get started on the next bit of the podcast. Um, you were gifted from, from the... your darling husband a bottle of wonky duck Coronation Street gin that we talked about on the podcast a couple of months ago. I got I got you a bottle, didn't I? It's a very nice bottle. It is a beautiful midnight navy blue bottle. And um inside is a is a drink I haven't tried yet. No tried live, live testing on the podcast. So if I remember I haven't even looked at this since I got it, but it's supposed to be like um it's it's fruity flavour. Hmm? It's supposed to taste like a fly cemetery. It's supposed to taste like a fly it cemetary. It says inspired by the fruity distinct flavours of classic Eccles cake. How <laughs> perfect. A wonky duck, old Tom gin is bursting with notes of warm, tangy currants and orange zest, complemented by comforting spice with hints of cinnamon and cassia and the subtle sweetness of local natural honey. It's perfect for sipping or in your favourite cocktail. But so this is going to be your this your podcast drink of today, yeah. is it? And you've you prepared yourself a glass. Oh, you've already poured, poured yourself some? Yeah. Oh, okay. You need to have you got it neat or have you got it with a bit of... I'm um, going to sip it and then I'll put tonic, put a tonic in. in there. Okay, um, so you've, we've recently been on a wine tasting um, yeah, afternoon. So now Gemma knows all the words for talking about booze. So um, get it. ready for this. Yep, can smell the flies. <laughs> right, have it. Have a drink. Oh, that's not good and neat. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> is it a little bit, um, a little bit strong? Is it's a bit it? Bit fratchy. <laughs> nice. Okay, right. Pull my, pull my tonic in now. Yeah, we heard. And give it a little bit of a stir. Mm. I tell I, you what, the Foley artist is doing good on this podcast. I, ho- I hope you're not going to be a bit of a Barney's goose about this, Jeremy. You need to tell all. Oh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> she likes it, everybody. Oh. Mm. Is it good, is it? Can I taste this? Can you taste the dead flies? Mm. <laughs> oh, it's like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. I'm getting the sensation of their little Can bodies going the down my... snozberries. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, very nice. I can taste the cinnamon and the, and the citrus. Does it taste like... It's not overly, overly flavoured. It's very, very subtle. Yeah. I don't think that you would You know. diluted it too much with Tom. No. I, I, this is a double, thanks. I, I don't know, I don't know how this, Do gins, like, properly all taste different from each other? To each other? Cause I, 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 yeah, we did gin Alcohol tasting. is a whole new world. Oh, yeah, you have been on a gin tasting, well, we, you? you were there as well. Was I? That was when we went to your dad's friend's house. Oh, that was, that was years ago, wasn't mm. it? So it's it a good gin, is it? You'll be um, looking. Would you would you recommend it to our I'd gin loving listeners? If you like Coronation Street, it's not just any old rubbish with a label slapped on it, like you know, mm. like Betty's hot pot that from Co-op. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Good. I very very appreciate it. Very delicious. Thank you very much, darling. That's all right. You're very very welcome. I'm glad you enjoy it. I'm glad it's not horrible. We have to tip it down the sink because it wasn't it wasn't cheap. <laughs> I know it wasn't. <laughs> right. Um, okay, well, that that's it for the, the, the pre-street talk bit. A little what bit different. What an exciting introduction for uh, everybody. People may well have birthdays this this week, but... Um, but not, it's no we've, business we, of mine. We've not been looking it up, so sorry if you have got a birthday coming up. Um, maybe we'll remember to mention you next time. Noel for, Dyson, probably. No, Noel Dyson's just had her birthday. She's Christmas Eve, isn't she? On the 23rd Yeah, or but this is, we're, we're caught, this is our episode. We haven't even said that, have we? Yeah, I've said it. Episode for 23rd, the 23rd to the 26th. The 20, oh, maybe I haven't said that. Yeah, we're talking about 23rd to the 26th. That's 10,829 to 10,834. So how many... We still Is that still three? Yeah. Okay, Three good. episodes worth. Thank God for that. Shall we officially start Street Talk? Yes. Let's do it. We're going to do street talk now, and we there were so you many make things. it sound so serious. <laughs> All right, right, those are better to do it's Christmas time. Hooray! We're going to talk Christmassy merry street talk stuff. So, many, but, many storylines. There were many storylines because they crammed in an amazing 67 cast members into the Christmas Day episode. Yes, they did, which is the highest ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. P- apparently, Coropedia put out a tweet yesterday saying that um yeah, Christmas Day's Coronation Street had the highest number of cast ever um in in a single episode of Coronation Street. So that's pretty cool. Apparently, and I think the extra fact that went along with the tweet was that that was more or the, or the same number maybe of actors who appeared in Coronation Street in the entirety of 1962. So um, that's crazy. Yeah, they did like to. Not everybody had lines. I mean, so I, actually, I don't even know whether some of those are counted. Like little Eliza was in there, wasn't she, at the uh, the Nazir's house? I think they probably so counted everybody. But six, 67. Most soaps don't have 67 cast members. Um, most in, in TV total. shows don't. No, no. So um, yeah, that's that's quite an achievement. It was it was quite nice to see. So many people on Christmas Day, actually. It was a, it, when we've been complaining about, you know, going ages without seeing characters or people not interacting with each other or, or what have you. It was nice to, to get the community feel. And unlike in previous years where they've done a nice, happy Christmas, do they, this, 
this Christmas Day was obviously a complete tragedy. It wasn't complete tragedy. You just you yes, it was because Tyrone and Fizz Tyrone got married. Fizz got married. <laughs> we, we knew it was going to happen. Well, Boo. I mean, we're pretty sure it was going to happen. Boo. It's not often that you and I have such polar opposite opinions on things that happen oh, on Coronation Street. Oh, you wait till Street, I get started. We've there's been a couple recently where um where we've really. Not been, not been seeing eye to eye on it, have Well, that's we? okay, because I've realised that you're stuck with me now, so I can come out with all my true feelings about Uh-oh. things. I've always been quite reticent, as you know. Well, we're going to start off with that story. I, I can I can do the talking about it, if you like. The tie the no, knot I, story. No, I want to tell everyone <laughs> what happened. No, we need to give it opinionless first, and then we delve in there. We need to make sure that we oh, are... Oh, I'm just going to spit facts. We, no, we need to be a Barney's goose about it as we first synopsize it. Okay. Um, so we've got Sorry tie if I'm the a knot, bit fratchy, but... but... Then, we... <laughs> <laughs> then we've got the uh, the Max Streamism story, though I've rebranded it for Christmas, Xmas Streamism, just to add a little bit of festive cheer <laughs> to the extreme right storyline. Um, wedding Days is my storyline title for Wet Daisy, potentially Daisy, getting yeah. married. Wedding Days, yeah, maybe that makes sense. We had the couch for the grouch next. Um, and Gemma, you were right with your prediction with the uh, the, the miniature sofa. But um, I'm sure there's so much we can talk about about that one. Reading the Red was back again. Um, and was as was the Jacob's Dadder story back on uh, on Friday. And then I've just got a load of little stories. Like, I didn't know whether they were turned into stories or not, but I've come up with festive storyline titles for them. Well, that's the most Starting off thing. with the Mary and Brian getting together storyline. Well, they kind of did. They had a bit of a sing together, didn't they? They weren't... Um... They weren't necking or anything. But may your days be merry, be merry and bright. Oh, may your days be merry and bright. Yes. My voice is back now, everybody. I'm feeling better. Watch out. Um, and yeah, we, we had our um, traditional as standard, getting a bit tiresome Coronation Street Christmas Day musical montage at the beginning of Sunday's episode, didn't we? Um, and, and that and featured tons of characters all getting up to Christmassy things. But as I said, I didn't know whether they return into storylines. But we have got Feliz Nazir Dad. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. Abby Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Santa Claus is coming to Browns. <laughs> stupid. <laughs> stupid. Next. We wish you a Bailey Christmas. That's a good. Yeah. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> <laughs> Nina Bleak Midwinter. <laughs> Nina Bleak Midwinter. Exactly, exactly. Good Although, job, Michael. She's not looking at all bleak at the moment. She's pretty much like, I would she's say she's like 90% blonde yeah. now, isn't she's she? She's snuck that in. She's betrayed she? her goth roots completely. Can't believe now, it. Nina. But no, most of those did not have a story attached to them, but um, we'll say what they got up to, I guess. Um, so you you want to do tie the knot, do you? Yeah, you're yeah, gonna, yeah. You're going to take the lead on this. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Right. Well, let's ready, rewind everybody. back to Friday. Then this is Christmas Eve Eve or Christmas <laughs> Eve in Weatherfield, I suppose. Yeah. Leading through to the joyous day of Biz and Tyrone's wedding. Over to you. Ruined Christmas forever because <laughs> um, now they're going to have to buy each other anniversary gifts, which is he didn't think that through, did he? Well, Ashley and Claire also ruined everyone's Christmas Day by making them go to a wedding that they do. Well. The, why can't you have... They've got a few people hanging. I, I don't... One thing I didn't get was why Michael Bailey was there. Like, most of the people in the in the congregation, like, Abby was there, Debbie was there, Kevin, yeah, that kind of all makes sense. What? Why was Michael Bailey a hanger-on? Have they got anything to do with each other? Maybe he's good friends with Hope. Do you reckon? Maybe he and Hope are, like, best mates. 
<laughs> I don't know. I didn't get that one. But no, they they didn't. Maybe that was his plus one. I didn't tell you who was that? Evelyn was there. I oh, know. We Very were so exciting. excited. Nice there were a couple of the show again. there were a couple of surprise returns uh, for Christmas Day. Yes. Some of them more exciting than others. <laughs> and Evelyn was probably the most the most fun, wasn't she? Yeah, but she, she was hiding in a bedroom on the on yesterday's yeah, episode because they could only get Maureen Lippman back for one appearance. But never mind. Right, go on then. Yes, all right. On Friday, Fizz wants to take the family to the cinema. She's like, Oh, I am so excited about Christmas. I want to go see a wonderful life. It's a wonderful life at the cinema. And uh, they will get all the food ready today. And what t- she didn't see was that on Christmas Eve, A Wonderful Life was on TV. It was on Channel 4. So yeah, she, so... Um, they didn't advertise it on yeah. ITV. <laughs> Clearly not. Uh, Tyrone's like, no, we should just get a takeaway. I, d- I don't want to fuss around with all the, the turkey and the trimming. Well, yeah, he's talking about, yeah, Christmas Day itself. He doesn't want to have a... Um, he's just making it up, isn't he? He's trying to ruin Christmas as he's a joke. He's trying to downplay Christmas Day so that the actual joyous surprise... Of the I wedding. hate it when characters do this at the best of times, <laughs> but this was completely obnoxious. I did actually think it was rather obnoxious. I love Tyrone. I love that the two of them got married, but when he was doing this, he did it on Friday and on Saturday's episode, yeah. didn't he? When he, oh, when he unveiled the crap. presents. I hate Christmas. I was like, no. No, you stupid idiot. Yeah. Okay, right. So he said, the girls were like, yay, let's have a takeaway. Also, who's o- I don't know if, who's open on Christmas Day in this country? The, the the local turkey farmer apparently <laughs> <laughs> yeah Tyrone asks Maria to do Fizz's hair for the wedding and um he asks he's trying to do wedding vows and he says uh, um he, he reads the lyrics to the chorus of Say You'll Be There by the Thank Spice Girls thank you very Girl. much I appreciate and that. um she doesn't think that's a good idea no she says that no but Tyrone's like Fizz loves the Spice Girls so what yeah he does and, and this is a nice link with us didn't it because we had Say You'll Be There played at our wedding reception by my sister's band Remember, we had a little bop around to that. I blanked it out. <laughs> I did ask her for Lady Gaga songs, but she only did Spice Girls. I'm trying to think, and now I'm I'm quite convinced that it has been mentioned before that Fizz likes the Spice Girls. I'm sure that's can, in Fizz's. Can canon. I tell you more about what happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Beth comes in and says, "Oh, we need to take the girls to dress their dresses because." Uh, they're not ready for tomorrow. Oh no, it's the same time that Fizz wanted to take them to the cinema. So Tyrone comes home and says, oh, you can't go to the cinema with the girls. I need them. It's related to your Christmas present, but it will be worth it in the end. And she's like, oh, that's... Why did he ruin her Christmas Eve? He's such a dick. No, because he wants to make a nice dress. It's got to be done. No, These things have got to be done. It didn't have to be done right then. Well, you should, you know. Nobody's ca- nobody cares about their silly dresses. In the factory later, Tyrone and the girls no, no are all really soul. happy. No, they no. So um, they they're getting Tyrone had had put his marker down on having this wedding, Gemma, on Christmas Day, and and now it was going to get in the way of him. Well, in all my born puff, I've never seen such nonsense. <laughs> So, um, uh, the people who listen to this on YouTube that haven't heard the first quarter of an hour of the podcast today have got no idea. No, they're all listening again. They're so authentic. They know all the lingo. So, um, the girls look fabulous and Tyrone asks to see the wedding dress. We get a tiny little portion of it and uh, he thinks it looks fantastic. I'm not convinced it was the exact same garment that he and Gemma brought back from the shops no. earlier in the week, but um, hey. either that or, or, or Beth can work miracles. But yeah, the girls have got nice little outfits, haven't they? They look like old Sequiny se- with red little... sequins, yeah. yeah. Very festive. Meanwhile, Fizz is in the pub with Maria going, oh, this Christmas turned out to be absolutely rubbish. And Maria's like, well, Tyrone might be planning something really special. And Fizz is like, 
doubt it. <laughs> no, it's, she's right though, because he's just given her the gift of something that would have happened on any other day of the year. Oh, damn What her. a cop-out present this is. <laughs> oh, you gave me a wedding. Okay, and I had she no choice. a box of chocolates I as well. I had no choice. Yeah, he didn't even get her an actual Christmas gift. <laughs> his Christmas gift to Fizz was the gift of being his wife and doing all the stuff that she does already, like burning the fish fingers under the grill. <laughs> They get a nice hotel trip out of it. Is that it? I tell you what, this man... I don't man, know whether they're going on honeymoon. This man I'm would sure. end up with no, <laughs> no head in the morning. Tyrone joins them in the pub and he, he whispers to Glenda about, oh, this is going to be the best Christmas ever. And then we hear first stage Maria, this is going to be the worst Christmas ever. See, Tyrone... And one of them was right. <laughs> when he said best Christmas <clears throat> ever, that's the soap phrase of doom, isn't it? So when he said that, I was half thinking, oh, is something going to go wrong? And I suppose it does on Sunday. It isn't completely to plan, but um, I, was, I was a little bit worried that they weren't going to end up spliced. They kept saying spliced. Didn't they? I said it a couple of times. Yeah. Yes. On Sunday, so that's Christmas Day, Tyrone shows the girls the wedding ring that he's got. Again, another cop out Christmas present. <laughs> Fizz got Tyrone. Fizz got Tyrone a really thoughtful gift: a hospitality pack package to go to County Weatherfield County Football Club. And she doesn't even want him to take her. She's like, "Take who you like, take your friend. I don't mind. I don't need to go." Tim, I don't want to go. I'm gonna go. Crap. Um, and he's got her a bag that says half price on it, <laughs> and inside is a bo- box of chocolates that were half price, and a key ring for Webster's Garage, which actually. <laughs> Just come in useful later. Actually, comes in useful. Which I think it's quite clever. So yeah, I, I quite, I quite enjoyed that as well. I, I, you know, as, as I said earlier, I, I do like Tyrone, and I'm pro this marriage. But I didn't like that they made him do that. No, why the hell? Why the hell? <laughs> why would he like? He didn't need to. He needs to lull diminish... her into a false sense of security. He didn't need to diminish her expectations or like give her a crap gift no if he'd have given her a nice gift then it would have come as an even bigger extra surprise when no, he gave her the wedding if he'd given her an, a nice christmas gift it would have been the bare minimum that you you should do for your future wife on christmas day <laughs> so tyrone and the girls go into the living room going going to the chapel and we're gonna get married but fizz isn't there she's bucked off she's gone to pick up a turkey and uh, he runs out just as she turns down Rosamond Street. They almost caught her, didn't they? Because she was there fiddling with her um, trying to put her, her seatbelt on. on. So, oh, drama! He could have probably chased after her, to be honest. But um, he's lazy. Yeah. He's a lazy oik. It's Christmas Day. He's probably all full up with with chocolate already. So he Tyrone goes and tells Chesney, and Chesney reckons that he she'll have gone to the turkey farm where Les used to get. His turkey, yes, which I assume was Teresa. Out of, I guess so. Twenty five years ago, this Christmas, since Teresa the turkey got hit by a car, can you believe? I that? love the fact that there's Weatherfield, a local Weatherfield turkey farm. I kind of, I've got in my memory that it was, um, oh, I've forgotten what his name is. It was that dodgy guy that Les used to hang around with. You know the one I mean. There was a guy. Gemma's shaking her head. I'm gonna. I'm gonna continue. Charlie West. I wonder whether it was his. That would have been a nice little Christmas. Well, she never gets there because she's driving through the countryside and her car breaks down and she doesn't have a mobile phone with her. And this is very typical of... um... Just general Coronation Street characters not having their mobile phone. Well, no, no. I mean, the the fact that her car breaks down when she's married to a mechanic. What's he been doing to it? (laughs) She she even said she only got it valeted last month. Serviced. Yeah, exactly. 
So, um, yeah, not not a good uh, advert well, for Webster's. Right, everyone's at the hotel later, and, and Evelyn turns up, hurrah! Fizz is trying to fix the car, and it does the comedy car thing of squirting her with oil, which I don't know if that ever really happens <laughs> in real life. I was waiting for you to say the car's been banjaxed. Sorry, I couldn't find I couldn't find the word there. We, we've written these down. We're, we're going to try and get these. The car got banjaxed. <laughs> And everyone's at the um, everyone's at the chapel waiting for her, and they're like, "What did the knocker up not come round this morning?" <laughs> See, I got it in. Like well you thought, I wouldn't get that one in. No. Yes. Okay. So they're not at a chapel either. I think I think it was no, supposed to be chariot. A... It was definitely chariot square again, wasn't it? Yes, because because De- Debbie was there. Well, they came back though. They went. They came back and then they went back to the hotel. <laughs> yeah, they decided that the Rovers was a better place to have a reception. Than I know. The, they than saw the how much square. they saw how much the oysters were there. Yeah. Like no thanks. <laughs> so Fizz Fizz can't fix the car. Then a Christmas Day hiker, what's his name? Chris. Chris Pringle. Pringle comes walking down the road, all dressed in red, like Father Christmas on his day off. And he says to her, I saw a phone box a mile or so back. Let's walk there and, and you can call somebody to help you. Yes. And on their walk, they pass about five different people, <laughs> all of whom probably had mobile phones. Yeah. One of whom was sprinting, who could have got to the phone faster, but never mind. That's or fine. did you give Fizz a piggyback and carried her down there? <laughs> yeah. Right, so Tyrone, uh, Tyrone's like, oh, so glum. The, the wedding's off. We better get back to the Rovers and enjoy the spread anyway. Um, so on the way to the phone box, Fizz is ranting about how awful Tyrone is, and it's the first time she's made sense in about half a year. She says, it's rubbish Christmas, got a naff present. Then they get to the phone box, and she does what I think most of us would do, and go on, I don't know what, I don't know what his phone number is. I know, I, I don't remember your phone number. The only thing I thought of is if I'd left my phone somewhere, I can remember my phone number. So I could phone my phone. Yeah, and you might pick it up if you saw it. Oh, but that's yeah, the, that's, that's the only point. thing I could remember to do. I, yours ends in two six four, doesn't Don't it? Don't say that. That's my special code. <laughs> I can't ever remember the rest of it. But I just well, you, tried all possibilities. Yeah, just go run through all the different numbers because yeah. it won't take that long. And he's got a load of coins, doesn't he, to help her yes. to, to make the phone call. Um, yeah, he he makes all these <coughs> comments. Sorry, but he makes all these comments about the. Uh, contactless generation he's just having a moan about the youth of today basically just like father christmas would do yeah totally father christmas like delivers all these fancy smart phones and ipads he's like this is later old crap (laughs) remember in my day we used to give out solitaire wooden solitaire rocking horses teddy bears and uh, skittles jackson balls yeah jackson's balls (laughs) (laughs) anyway thank goodness she was given this stupid key ring because it's got the the emergency call out number for webster's order autos on it so everyone's scuffing all the food in the rovers and evelyn's saying the whole idea is stupid and she said as far as surprises go this one was about as agreeable as pearl harbor <laughs> of i'm off com off com off com <laughs> kevin gets a phone call and he realizes he's missed two of them already which i can just imagine poor fizz standing there in the thing yeah. desperately trying to call this number and uh, he makes some some uh, comment about he's he's basically the same as NHS nurses because he's on call all Christmas Day. Good, um, good. Clap for Kevin, everybody. Thank you so much. <laughs> Tyrone is alone at the hotel with Debbie later. Um, and then... Fizz. Fizz. Fizz turns up. We don't get to see her being rescued. <clears throat> Apparently she wasn't that far away. She could have just walked home. <laughs> 
They then Chesney and Kevy, Kevy and Avin, who <laughs> <laughs> all turn up because the wedding's back on. I would have quite liked to have seen the moment that Fizz got told about the wedding because it was a quite a big um, time yeah, jump, why wasn't on earth it? From, did we see that? I'm moment? gonna phone up Kevin to here I am ready to marry you. I've I've been I've I've had the surprise of my life. Yeah, and yet we don't get to see the reaction. Yeah, that's a bit disappointing, really. Yeah, maybe it was cut. Maybe it was cut because she went, what the bloody hell are you talking about? It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, so, Evelyn has strong-armed the registrar who is very anxious. He needs to leave. He's, off to He's got his own family to deal with. He doesn't want to be hanging around here with you weird turkey farm lady. Chesney walks Fizz down the aisle. They play a song from the cause. I can't remember what it was. I've written the cause now. Oh, is it You're Still the One I Want? <sighs> Yeah, it was uh, oh man, it was sorry. Nice. 90s, love it. But should have been two become one. Christmas, Spice Girls. I know, but it's like, this, you're still Dramatic. the one I run to. What? Still after what? Be more specific. Still even, after you cheated on me with a Romanian <laughs> strumpet. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember that, that verse. <laughs> Vowel time. And I think they just do normal vows, which I thought was actually quite refreshing. Well, no, they, they don't really have much time, do they? They don't. They, well, the guys After got all go. the fuss on the, uh, the, the Friday's episode about Tyrone trying to figure out what to do for his vows, he didn't really get to say anything. He's like, I'll marry you, you'll marry him. Right, let's go. Do Abby it. thinks it's hilarious that Tyrone's middle name is Sylvester. Fizz doesn't even have a middle name. They get married, registrar leaves, hooray. And then they arrive at the wedding, uh, at the reception in the in the Rovers and Kevin does a little speech. He does a nice speech. And he talks about Jack like and that. Vera watching over them. And he also says, after passing the hardest MOT this year, you've got a lot of miles left in you. And I thought he was talking <laughs> about Fizz's car and that's why it <laughs> broke down. Because they just kind of, just, just you know. Just snuck it through a few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Tyrone says, I've booked us a hotel room. How thoughtful and generous. What a lovely, is this my Christmas present? I'm still <laughs> waiting for that then, am I? Night falls, everyone cheers, the happy couple head off to Chariot Square, and then Fizz sees Chris down by the post box. It's an illusion. When she he turns gives him a when thumbs she, up in the rear view mirror, When she it? tells Tyrone that he's over there, he's disappeared. Where's he gone? He must be a Christmas angel. No, he's just bent down to pick a coin off the floor. Because, you know, if you look after the pennies, the pants look after themselves, look after themselves. And then they drive away. He walks down the middle of the road and look, look, looking at his handiwork and a shooting star overhead. I don't know. Twinkles. Lands on someone's <laughs> cat and kills it, I guess. And that is the end of the Christmas Day current. Can talk? I just say, they yeah. didn't invite Chris to the wedding. Oh no, he's got his hiking to do. I don't know I'm what sorry, he was even if doing I was, there. If I, was, uh, if I was a helpful stranger with a Christmas themed name on Christmas day, you help somebody and my whole family died. That's his backstory. My, I, I think he killed them myself. His whole family's dead and he's alone on Christmas and Fizz is like, thanks for your help. I'm off to my wedding. See you later. There's a buffet and everything. <laughs> but you're not coming. Well, no, he had, he That's had probably why Christmas he turned up. Ritual. Well, he turned up at the end of the road. He was obviously local. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because I don't get it, because he said that he does his his walk from wherever he lives to wherever Turkey he farm. was going to yeah. Turkey Farm every Christmas, <laughs> and, and then he catches a bus slaughtered. home. So I guess yeah, by the time we've reached the end of the episode, he's been on his walk and he's got his bus back, and he and he's and he's a local. They didn't even give him a goddamn lift. No, he gets a bus home. This poor old man <laughs> gets a bus home. He seems like he was the sort that 
that would have wanted to go for that. Um, I bet he loves sausage rolls. Because it's not particularly... Yeah, okay, we'll come back to that. We'll come Monday. Back. I have some thoughts. They're back from Chariot <laughs> Square. The They're all happy. Evelyn's, Evelyn's in bed because she had to look after the kids. Sam comes in and sees Hope. She's got her stape tape. And she explains that she's trying to reconnect with her dad. Like he's real. And Sam's like, yeah, I understand. I'm half an orphan. Fizz and Tyrone get back from the shops later. And she tells everyone that she's going to change her name to Dobbs and that she wants Hope to as well and Hope is a bit upset and wants to go to her room. Yeah well she kind of she she tells the girls as if it's like oh I've got some exciting news for you we're all going to be a, a family and Ruby's there saying oh yeah hashtag team Dobbs or whatever and um, and Hope's clearly not so thrilled um, with it with this idea. Um, I felt really sorry for for Hope. Why? Well, because I didn't want to change my name either. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because usually on, on soaps, it just is a thing that automatically happens, isn't it? It doesn't turn into a storyline or anything. Usually, well, literally it's... on the day that the characters get married, they are then um, credited at the end of the episode with their new married name. But Fizz was still Fizz Stape at the end of Christmas Day and yesterday's episode. But yeah, it certainly makes sense to make a bit of a story plot point out of it. I hope this turns into an interesting discussion where everyone's opinions are respected, but I somehow think I don't think that it Hope's going to be railroaded into changing her name. I don't know whether she will. I mean, I w I hope she keeps it. She, I, I I don't think it's fair to force her to change her name, and she does seem like quite a um. She's certainly not a Barney's goose about this. Is she? <laughs> The so, thing is, um, that I, I like obviously she should kind of change her name because her name's is like connected to a serial, serial killer. killer. It's like being called Hope Dharma, <laughs> Hope Hitler. <laughs> but yeah, she doesn't. She. This is what I've always thought. I've never thought of my name as a temporary placeholder to insert other important name here. My name's my name, and I've always thought that. I've never wanted to change my name. Maybe Hope feels the same way about. That as I do, but the reason really that she's like this is because she's finally connected to her dad for the first time, and she doesn't want to disconnect herself from mm. from him because for the first time she feels like she knows who he is from yeah. these tapes. Yeah, it's a really clever and um, interesting setup for that kind of dilemma. Yeah, I I've, I've, um, I quite I did enjoy watching her listening to to his little women thing, and and now Sam knows as well. So the the, the chat that they had was quite sweet. It's a little bit puppy love going on in uh, there as well, yeah. isn't there? But obviously it's lovely to all have the same name, isn't it? And to be like a family team. Yeah. So that's that's just just two different opinions. Oh. And I completely understand why Fizz and Tyrone thought that everyone having the same surname would be an exciting and fun thing hmm. for them to do. I but... just I still think it's very odd that it's taken Fizz this long to change her name anyway considering how she, you know, it has been associated with the serial killer that she doesn't want anybody to know about, or think about, or talk about all these years. I, I don't know why she didn't go back, back to, to Brown. Brown. But hey. Yeah, yeah anyway. Um, yeah, so I guess uh, watch the space for that one. But, um, yeah. Setting aside your, your views about Tyrone, <laughs> if you can, how, how did you find the wedding in, in uh, the, the, the pantheon of Coronation Street nuptials? I can't, I can't judge it, I'm afraid. Is I it really too can't. difficult to divorce yourself from... Uh, I the... wish they'd get divorced. <laughs> I thought it was quite sweet, nice and Christmassy. Um, Just the ego of this man, the ego. What, do you... The ego of this man to think that that's a 
Christmas present it to is. be to be his wife. You just never be Who satisfied. Who wants to be the wife of of boring old Tyrone Dobbs? He's lovely. He's he just not. Has a he's little, a cheating scumbag. Discretion last he's a cheating year. scumbag, and he ruined he ruined everyone's lives, and he abandoned those children. He just moved. And now he wants the them to have this, his surname. <laughs> Get bent. I, <laughs> I do want Tyrone. <laughs> I just think. Get bent. Here's your here's your present. These two Happy have been nuptials. courting on and off for the best part of twenty years. Well, he shouldn't so have as cheated. A, <clears throat> as a long term coronation street fan, <laughs> I appreciate that we finally <laughs> it's finally culminated in this, and I do hope that they stay together. She's obviously a lot more forgiving than you are. Maybe she thinks that she's, you know, she's past her prime. Do you and think maybe she thinks she can't gonna... get a better man than Tyrone Dobbs? Well, she, she was almost there with Phil earlier this year, wasn't she? I would have just gone with Phil. I mean, most people don't have two wedding ceremonies within, you know, a six-month period, so... I really liked uh, uh, Evelyn's catty comment about she's she bought her hat for Phil and... T- <laughs> that was funny. Fizz's wedding and she's not buying a new <laughs> it's one. It's the can't. way that she delivered it yeah. as well, didn't she? She's like mouthed it loudly. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was nice to see Evelyn back. And um, she's set up a mystery about where she's been. Yes, she did, didn't she? That that was kind of a bit of a throwaway comment when I can't remember who it even was that asked her, like where, maybe it was Tyrone. Um, yeah, because he, he tried to contact her on, was it Christmas Eve? I can't remember. And and she was staying with James and then she moved away somewhere else. But she's being very secretive about where she was supposed to be. And I didn't really have an idea, although I saw somebody online suggesting that maybe she's been visiting great-grandchild in Romania. Hmm? Maybe. Oh, I think that that would, I think she might have brought that up a little bit. You reckon? Well, I'm sorry, but if it's... I was Evelyn, no, she's... She was on Fizz's side, wasn't she? she? Yeah, she was on Fizz's side during the affair. She was, she was. Um... But, but, really, if you, if she knew that Alina had had Tyrone's child, which is still not absolutely clear, but we're running with that theory. We are. Um, you think that you would bring this up because it's going to ruin that relationship again when it comes out? It, but but she didn't have much chance, did she? Because, I, d- I mean, Tyrone must have only told Evelyn about the fact that they were getting married mere days ago. And it's almost like t- you should Evelyn give people more notice. Evelyn couldn't have turned up at the day on the ceremony, like, within, you know, hours before it was about to take place and say, by the way, everybody, just go, I want to drop this bomb on you. I think that she, because she knows that they are... No, a good couple and meant for each other, etc., etc., etc. I think she thinks maybe they'll find out one day, but now's not the time, and I'm sure that they'll make it through it. You know, if it it would have just delayed things a lot longer if she'd have mentioned it beforehand, or maybe she thinks that it's it's not going to come out. Maybe it's not even a thing. That's the thing. I don't know. I don't when when um. When she said, I've been somewhere else, and I kind of looked at you and I wondered whether she'd been to see old um, Arthur, Arthur which I thought in was Canada, a very good theory. which would be lovely to have, uh, have him back on the street again. But yeah, I'm kind of going with the Alina theory. I think lots of people were wondering, is Alina going to be going to make a surprise appearance on Christmas Day, Corrie? And she didn't, did she? No, that would have been brilliant. That would have been, you know, wh- wh- if she was going to turn up, when would, for you, have been the ideal opportunity for that? Well, it would have been it would have been a silly coincidence. She would have been driving in a van on the opposite direction of the road where Fizz broke down. Oh, And then yeah. she would have got out and gone, <laughs> Oh, Fizz, what's going on? And then she'd be like, Who's that baby? 
<laughs> oh, this baby, I call him Tyrone. <laughs> Tyrone Junior. <laughs> I, I, I assume that she is living over in Romania still with this. Kid. I think she's going to have a nasty accident, just like. Just Katie. like all the other young mothers on coronation. Anyway, if you live in a foreign country, you're gonna and you've got a baby, you're gonna die in a car crash. Mm. Yeah, no, I I think that would have been. I I was waiting for like an an end of the episode post wedding reveal or something, you know, for her to swan into the um to the reception or something. It, although I enjoyed this year's Christmas Day coronation street at the end of the episode. I mean, I I thought it was not so dusty. <laughs> have we done them all now? <laughs> I don't know whether we've done them all. Um, I did kind of end Sunday's episode going, okay, is that, is that it? You know, I was waiting for there to be one massive shock or a, a big twist or something because the, the main um, focus of those episodes was the wedding and um, what else happened on Christmas Day? I can't even remember. Well, nobody's going to... I don't think anyone's going to watch... Um, oh, the proposal was the other thing, wasn't it, with Daniel and Daisy? Nobody's going to have watched that at their relatives or friends' house at Christmas Day and gone, oh gosh, I want to know what happens next. What, did it, the, the actual one that broadcast? Well, we talked, didn't we? We talked about what what is the purpose of a Christmas Day episode? What is the purpose of Coronation Street in general? And the purpose, obviously, is to entertain you and to make you watch the next one. Because mm. that's how they get their advertising money and how they get the viewing figures. Yeah. So Christmas Day one's got an extra job on its hands. It's got to convince people that are being forced to watch it at their friends and relatives' <laughs> house to watch another one. It's got to intrigue you. It's got to make you think, this is worth watching. This is exciting. Oh, I wish I could be in on this. Mm. I want to know more about this, that and the other thing. And as far as that goes, I don't think that this episode was d- did that job. And I also think that in general... Christmas on Corrie has always been for the 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 loyal viewers rather than for the new ones. Well, they they go back and forth over what makes a good Christmas Recently Day episode. Recently, they have because they, we had the Helter Skelter one, which is the first yeah, time anyone's died on a Christmas three years ago, maybe episode. Yeah, two three years ago with with uh, with Robert's death. Um, and, and that time, uh, Ian McLeod was saying, "Oh yeah, we want to make it big and exciting." And, and, to and me, that's what I thought. One Christmas. That, that's Christmas. kind of what I want as well. And, but and I this, quite this enjoy year, the he said, ones. "Oh, you know, everybody on Christmas Day, you just want to have something like like wh- whatever he's decided this year's Christmas is going to be on Coronation Street." In the interviews, he'll say, "This is what people want on Christmas yeah. Day for Coronation Street." Well, it's and also... this year, it, 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 it's landed on a a nice family cozy, ah, oh, lovely sort of Christmas. Well, it's to do with what the storylines are that is going on throughout the whole year. And also, I think sometimes it's a bit of a, a litmus test about what, how everyone's feeling. Are people in the mood for a miserable Christmas this year? No, not at all. No, and and, and that's the thing. It, it was a nice kind of warm, cosy episode. And, I, and like I said, I did enjoy it. I like Tyrone and Fez and I like Daniel and Daisy. But at the end of the day, I left the episode just wanting just that little bit more. Either Alina coming yeah. back or, or something going on with Stephen or, or, or the racists or something. And, you know, we're, we're led to believe that there's going to be something happening with, with Griff and his gang at New Year's Eve because that's when he said, well, our big plan is, you know, this is where we're gearing up towards. So they've just, you know, deferred it for a week, which is fine. Um, yeah, but... what I wanted was like... Um... Chris Pringle to be standing at the end of the road and then Alina comes along excuse me who's getting married today and then he'll be like oh it's a lovely couple there's a there's a uh, I think his name was Tyrone. A young mechanic. At at Webster's. And his red-headed girlfriend. And his red-headed girlfriend and she'll be like 
<laughs> I wanted Fizz to the car. Uh, who was driving it? It was Tim in his, in his uh, role play hat, wasn't it? I wanted him to reverse oh. over Chris Pringle. <coughs> Chris Pringle. Chris Pringle. Not a fan in this house, I'm afraid. We did not enjoy Chris Pringle. Well, I thought, okay, it's harmless, but it was harmless, silly, silly fun, but I think it was slightly too whimsical for me. It was far too twee. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm never going <laughs> to say no to a Coronation Street location shoot, as you know. Nice to have those scenes out in the countryside, little drone shots and everything. In fact, we've seen on the um, on Corrie Instagram a few behind the scenes um, videos of like the camera on a van in front of Fizz. Lovely, loved all that. And then they, they had this this new character. And it was just, you know, a special one episode character. It's a sort of one who would normally be played by like a celebrity guest. But I had to look on this guy's um, INDB page and he's not been in a whole lot of stuff. I know, but... I think that was my thought as well. I was thinking, why couldn't they get... I mean, no disrespect to the guy, he did a really good job. Yeah, he was fine. But it did feel like a cameo fell through. <laughs> yeah, well, why didn't they get um, Richard Attenborough? Richard Attenborough. <laughs> King um, Charles could have done it. But he was kind of fine. I thought that the lines when he was going on about all oh, the, the youth of today just felt a little bit... Weird. Know, oh, we've been there. There was nothing you know, new or controversial about those particular lines. It was just like, oh yeah, whatever. But yeah, the, the very ending scene, oh my gosh, fingers down the throat. What a load of Michael rubbish. Michael Sorry. This. Way Absolute more. I really pants. don't care. That last five seconds of Christmas Day Coronation Street, I told you and I tweeted a few, uh, I messaged a few people, an editing low <laughs> of Coronation Street. Oh, you He's bitch. Walking... No, sorry. It was an absolute <laughs> load of tut. <laughs> Coronation Street is not about that. I mean, when they, when they, what? Fizz was looking behind um, her and it looked like he was magically disappeared, that would have been bad enough. <laughs> And then it's like, oh no, he's just gone down behind the post box. Finally, did say he liked to well, pick up coins yeah, earlier in they, the episode. They established this. But having him walk towards the camera, I hate it when they do fake fireworks on Coronation Street anyway. But to have a shooting star go over Rosamond Street, coupled with a twinkling <laughs> sound, funny. it's just gone into a different genre. Do you think that they That's not soap. That's stupid Christmas fantasy. And then they had the <laughs> iris shot, because I've been looking this up. The iris shot? I <laughs> iris. Shot. Oh, okay. That's what it's called when <laughs> when the, when it kind of closes in on a circle. You know. Oh, what do yeah, they think yeah. this is a nineteen twenty silent movie or something? Oh right, that's probably that's... what they were going for. So I was what... expecting Porky Pig to come out of it and go. Bleh, 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 that's all, folks. It's stupid. Okay. Absolutely ridiculous. Do you ridiculous. think they should have waited for a real shooting star? <laughs> yes, they should. No, just don't do it at all. It looked fake and rubbish. <laughs> and Coronation Street does not end in that way. <laughs> I've I, I found, you know, we had our Christmas curry musical montage at the beginning. What was it? Having a Wonderful Christmas Time, I think it was this year. I don't like those particularly. Every year you have it's to like, just accept it. here we go again. You know, why don't you try something radical and not do it one year, Coronation <laughs> Street? Because you've set yourselves into a bit of a habit now, haven't you? You can get away with not starting a Christmas Day episode. It's a total rut. I think if we have a new producer, he needs to be brave and bold and radical and just start it as a normal episode because we don't need it. I quite and I don't mind it. Too I much. don't I don't mind it, 
But it's just, you know, like I was saying, with, with this year's Christmas episode of Coronation Street, I wanted there to be something to surprise me or make me go, oh, yeah, oh, I didn't expect that. Oh, what a twist. Or that's really intrigued me. And right from the opening <sighs> seconds, where it was montage of, chil- of, of children and, and parents opening presents to Christmas music, it was like, oh, here we go again, you know? And, and sometimes they'll end with a musical montage on Christmas Day, and they didn't this year. But I, I think I found something worse. I just absolutely despised that ending because it is it is not Coronation Street. It was Christmassy. Although I did appreciate the fact that they did the long version of the theme tune because they had to fit all 67 cast members into it so they had an extra long version of, yeah. the, of the outro music so that was lovely. Well done. But yeah, I could have done without Chris Pringle at the end there. I really, really could. Are you done? Um, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of yeah, done with that. Um, I thought it was a, a lovely wedding Shame it was at Chariot Square yet again, um, but it was it was it, nice kind of Christmassy Christmassy do. Fizz looked gorgeous. Yes, she was a beautiful. Very bride. nice, very, very nice, nice dress. dress. Well done. Yeah. Well done, Beth. Um, and and the the only other thing I suppose was the fact that the, this whole storyline brought about the idea that Gemma and Chesney may well be getting hitched next year, and um, Gemma seems to be a bit keener on the idea than than Chesney is, um, because. Another woman is desperate to marry a useless piece of crap. <laughs> at least, at least Chesney has stayed faithful to her. So, um, yeah, keep your eyes out for that it's one. Not in twenty twenty three. Beating his head against a brick wall. We, I, I, I wonder whether this is going to be Coronation Street's first signed wedding. Can you I imagine think it would them there be, yeah. at the uh, at the front of St Mary's having somebody signing yeah, along, so Aled knows what's going on, so Aww. he's not taken by surprise when when, when they go to the front. Yeah, warn him for that. Also, um, festive boob. We just talk about that. What was <laughs> this? It? Is you pointed this out, didn't you? It was a giant cuddly. Was it a pig or something? <laughs> I can't remember. It was we... unfortunately placed, so it looked like a big droopy boob. Yes, it did. Rather. With a giant pink nipple. Yes, it was sitting on the table in, uh, in number nine. Very then, prominently hoping, placed. Hoping Fizz were doing their colouring in or whatever. But um, anyone else noticed that? Uh, noticed that? Or was it just us with our dirty minds? Actually, I say Gemma noticed it. Nice. I was the one that took a picture of it to put it up on yeah. Daisy would like that. She doesn't need one. She she's she's no. all clear. No, she she likes she would use it as a prop for her <laughs> Instagram to explain yeah, how she to feel. Could, couldn't she? Give it a good squeeze. Yeah. See absolutely. if there's any lumps inside. Okay. So um boobs aside, let's move on to um the extra streamism storyline with what Max has been getting up to this festive season. So Friday, um Spider's still there on the telephone at the beginning of the episode. He's standing next to Max by the bedside. Hoping he's going to stay unconscious for a little bit longer, I suppose, because he's talking about all police things, saying, oh, I reckon reckon we should be getting protective custody for Max. And his boss is like, no, no, he's fine. He got blowed up. He survived that. He can survive anything. I think one of the things that, you know, I was a bit down on last week's Coronation Street, I think it was just like the fact that a character that I really do quite like at the moment got blown up by a bomb. (laughs) And at the end of it, it was like... Nothing yeah, everything's okay. Yeah. It's fine. You know? I know, exactly. And I, and I wasn't feeling, oh There's my no gosh, peril. Max has got blown up. It was just like, There's well, no, no peril at all. No. It, 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 I wonder what... Yeah, I know what you mean. And, and, and now he's fine, you know. By Christmas Day, he's up and, and he's got a few bandages around his, his hands. And, and apart from that, he's okay. At least when Shona got shot in a box, which, thank you very much for the call out on Christmas Day episode. She didn't say she got shot in the box. She didn't say shot in the box. Oh my God. If Shona had said shot in a box, box, that would have been a a reference to this podcast. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
no, yeah, he's just fine again now. And it, and you know they could have almost jumped from last Monday's episode to this Monday's episode, got Nothing. rid of the bombing, and 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 now the storyline would no have not really be any further. Max could have moved out last week, but. Anyway, that's that's the state of affairs at the beginning of Friday's episode. So, he's, he's there in hospital. So with Spider trying to get protective custody for Max and then not allowing it, it makes me wonder, like, what kind of duty of care do they do they actually have to to minors? Seemingly none. It doesn't seem like it. It feels a bit like an undercover policeman is just kind of like uh, a nature um, uh, documentary maker who just watches all the antelope get killed. Just like where's, <laughs> yeah. the, where's antelope porn? You can't just, intervene just, here. Just stands around with all of his antelope friends going, oh, there's a lion over there. Yeah. I won't, I won't mention it though. <laughs> it is. He's just, uh, he's collateral damage. It's a bit like, um, a bit like Ardy in the old Kelly uh, storyline. Yeah, he got shot, but you know, had I to mean, be done. In, in, a, in a sense, I feel as though the right thing to do is just to ignore it because Max has not, it's not like Spider's done anything to convince Max to join this gang of racists. In fact, he's done his best to try to subtly yeah, dissuade, dissuade him. him yeah. So how, how responsible is Spider or the police? You know, the police's job is not to walk around and, and like brainwash people into not committing crimes. It's to arrest you when you've done a crime. Yeah, I know. All but... they can really do is say, don't commit crimes, please. Here's some education about how to protect yourself from crimes. And here's some education about what crimes are. Mm. But it's not their job to go around and stop you from doing the crime, is it? Tell you what, David is not going to be happy with Spider when this all comes out, is he? I'm sorry, I tried to stop him, David. <laughs> it's not my fault. Right. Tell him, Toya. So, yeah, we has got Toya on his side. Toya, um, quite a big character on Friday's episode, but then um, diminished in importance as the as the three went on. She... I loved I loved her Christmas Day... Um, uh, her Christmas Day role was glaring at everyone from the end of the table yeah. with Leanne next to her, like the pair of evil aunts who'd been invited <laughs> but Toya by got, default like, to Christmas Day. Toya got two lines on Christmas Day, one of them saying, oh, yeah, that Griff's a wrong one or something like that. I imagine she's furious because I can, I can also imagine the Platt's idea of catering for Christmas Day vegetarian is just that you can have everything apart from the turkey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's no actual food for you. Um, so sprouts are plenty for Toro. Sprouts, carrots, day, peas. Sure. Sorry, you can't have gravy because there's meat juice in it. So well, That's all right, isn't it? You don't like gravy because you're vegetarian. <laughs> um, so Spider goes round to see Toy. Now, remember, when we left them last, on the last episode, he just revealed to her that he was a policeman <clears throat> and she didn't believe him. Oh, I'm a policeman. No, you're not. Yeah, oh, that's no. exactly how. Thank you for that. Oh no, what shall I do now? <laughs> so she's not told anybody about it because she doesn't believe him. We were wondering, like, you know, she's living with Nick and Leanne. I think that she must have half believed him because if if I absolutely one hundred percent did not believe that this person what they were saying, I'd be going and telling. I people. tell everyone how hilarious. I just had a weird, stupid. weird chat with Spider. Do you want to hear the weirdest thing yeah, ever? Said, so she must have kind of secretly known harboured doubts about whether uh, she was yeah and, and knew that if she you know revealed it then um he'd be in trouble but anyway um she she says well i don't believe you and he's like right backstory time settle yourself down here is my origin story of how me spider is actually a policeman so remember that leela that i told you about leela leela i can't remember this was the most anticlimactic backstory i've ever heard for a character. It didn't it didn't reveal a huge amount, did it? But we I suppose that's <coughs> just the problem with us 
you know, theorising and speculating on the podcast. Sometimes it will, our speculation will you know, run away with itself. But the basic story is you got him and his, and his missus and her sister, Ali, who were at an anti-fascist Who's sister? Layla's sister. Oh, so Ali. it's so his, his girlfriend and her sister Ali. So yeah. Leela's his girlfriend, Ali's Leela's sister. Yeah, or was okay. it a boyfriend, Ali? I don't remember. As a person, some sibling or other. Um, they they were they were at this anti-fascist protest in South America. Oh, yeah, it says he was in a coma. It well, I've written he was. Oh yeah. I think I remember him oh, saying that. Right. So brother Ali, fine. Like like Doctor Ali. Maybe it was the same person. Maybe. No. <laughs> um, no, he got. He ended up getting killed. There, there was, a, there was. It got ugly. Apparently, these anti-fascists versus the the fascists, um, and they and and Spider and Ali and, and and Layla ran off, and then he kind of got trampled to death. I kind of remember imagining, and um, and Spider says, and he was in a coma for three months, and then he wasn't. Oh, he died. Died. I assume so. That it wasn't. <coughs> he was in a coma for three months. And then he woke up and he's fine, just I like mean, Max. I mean, that sentence goes for he was fine and, and he also died. I think the delivery of it we're supposed to infer. But imagine, uh, <laughs> imagine Spider as so a doctor. Got good news and bad news. He's not in a coma anymore. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, Layla blamed Spider for this. And then he realised that if he wanted to make a change in the world, protests weren't enough. So I just became a policeman. So it was as simple as that. Right. And then he's like, well, with my background, really they thought that I'd be perfect for undercover work. Um, but being away from Lila all that time, put an end to their relationship. And, that, and that's basically that it. It's illogical to me, honestly. I'm very unsatisfied with that explanation. I wondered, like, is he only undercover for anti-fascist things? Or is it just a handy coincidence that that was what the protest it in South America was? And that's what he's up to now. If he joined the police for that purpose... Because it makes it sound like he just rocked up at the police station and then they came up with the idea that he fights against fascism and racists. Mm. It, I don't know what I was expecting particularly, but it did sound... It's fine. It's not like... It's no end of episode Chris Kringle Irish shot kind of levels of ridiculousness. The thing, but I was just hoping for a little bit more. The reason why this is unsatisfying is because it undermines Spider's entire existence in the show up until this moment. Protests aren't enough, says Spider. Everyone's got to come, become a policeman. Is that his solution to climate change? Yeah. Can you see what I'm saying become here? Become a politician. It's a complete breakdown of logic from, from A to B here. It doesn't make any sense. I think it, it kind of does. No, it doesn't. I, I would say if we'd have seen Spider on screen all this time and there would have been this jarring transition from protester to policeman, maybe then I'd be like, oh, I don't think so. It would but have the made... fact that it, we, he's been off screen for nearly 20 years, maybe... Um, well, look, my, my idea makes more sense. And I know... I just think that it makes sense to me. He was involved in some kind of anti-fascist protesting. And then the people that he was with started taking it too far. And that's how this person, Ali, died. And then he realised that you have to remove the rock from within. And then from that background... Yeah, we were thinking that, weren't we? You're right. From that background of infiltrating groups of protesters, he's moved on from... Envi- anti from pro environmentalists. Yeah, if he'd become disillusioned with protesting because he like all we're all as bad <coughs> as each other. His he his, I think he should have stayed true to the protesting and said we need to maintain moral integrity 
within the protest groups and eke out these fringe people who are extremists and from that expertise of going around and and rooting out extremism within protest groups he's become an expert undercover policeman who can go into groups like that and infiltrate them and and do what he's supposed to be doing with griff but it just makes it's just a big mess this storyline i don't think it's a mess i'm still i'm still kind of enjoying it for but it, it's not it's, it's not got me on the hook as much as it did in the initial weeks. Not the right time in society and culture to have a major character in a show saying protests don't work. Because honestly, as as normal ordinary people, that's all we have. So what, Spider, the, the Black Lives Matter protests aren't good enough. All the people should become policemen. He's just saying they're not enough. I don't think he's saying that they don't work. Well it's things... not enough. What how clear can you be? So so every protest is a waste of time. Everyone should just become a police. Can you see how that's yeah, the stupidest no, leap of logic I've ever heard in my life? Martin Luther King, no point protesting. The, um, the on the bus protests in America. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No yeah. point doing that. They should have become policemen. Mm. Well, Gandhi, what an idiot. <laughs> I get, I get, I get what you're saying, and, but you and know, Spider's gonna be um, gonna be curing fascism by the end of this story. I can see it in a mere weeks away. It'll all be over, so it'll be worth it in the end. I'm sure. I just really think that they had so much time to to like make something logical, and it, it you know it doesn't take very long at all to come up with something that's better than this. Mm. It just it just undermines the character. Yeah, I, I was I was left slightly underwhelmed. And I one of the things you, but... that I was always annoyed with people about was when he first came in and he was revealed to be an undercover police officer. Everybody said, "Oh, this undermines his character. He would never do that. That he's working for the man now. That doesn't make any sense." And I said, "No, no, 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 no. It does make sense because X, Y, and Z." And now that's that's all gone out the window. And everyone who said that it was it's ruined his character was kind of right, really. We will have to see how he comes out of this. I, I, I love Spider so much. I'm not ready to give up on him yet. But. I know, but what's the character arc going to be from this? Him being disillusioned with the police? And then what? What's his next leap of logic going to be? So I became... I just became Elon Musk and started <laughs> making my own electric cars. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what do you make... What? I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see, Gemma. The thing is about it that's frustrating is that Coronation Street has positioned itself as an environmentally friendly soap and they care a lot about um, reducing the impact that they have on the environment, talking about um, green production and recycling all those things for the the precinct. precinct. And then they've just basically gone, anyone who's protesting about the environment, you're wasting your time. I think he's still, but he's still pro-protests because he's been going on other protests as well. Well, I want him to say that. I want to hear more because this is deeply unsatisfying and incredibly bizarre. Well, we will just have to wait. And, and then he ends up breaking up with his girlfriend because he became an undercover police officer and he couldn't maintain his relationship. And now he wants a relationship with Toya. Yeah, so what did, what was going through his mind when he came back to the street and he saw Toya was there and he knew that his past relationship had, had failed because of his undercover police work. But he obviously believed that being an undercover police person police officer was more important than that so what's this what's the thought process here oh second time's a charm toya won't mind so it's because it's because toya and him were meant to be together they're destined by fate 
I'm not feeling. I'm not feeling uh, positive about this. Let's let's move on. Let's see. Let's see what else happens. So he Rosa the, Parks. I'm sorry, I forgot her name. Oh, I thought you were talking Rosa about Rosa Parks, her. the bus, the bus protester, the bus protester. So he tells Toya about all really his work that he's been doing with Griff, and he's like, "Yeah, I need some solid evidence about this about this guy that they can that we can make stick." And he tells her about the bomb the other day and Max and that David doesn't know about it and everything. And she's like, what the hell? Max got blown up and David doesn't know about this. Well, I'm going to go and tell him about this. And he's like, no, Toya, don't tell him, please. So um, she, she, he manages to calm her down for a bit, but she goes over to the, um, to the cafe anyway, doesn't she? And she, mm-hmm. she gets her very own break cliffhanger um, where she yeah. says, oh, David and Shona, I need to tell you something about Griff. Da, da, da. He's well dodgy. You <laughs> have to wait three minutes for that. She she bottles out because Spider comes um, Spider comes in and he's kind of looming over and she's like no maybe maybe I don't want to give his secret away. So um and and, and David's like oh, what are you doing back from the camping trip and he says oh date and Max will be back soon. Toya Shona tells him to bog off. Toya's smarter than than um, Spider I think so. Surely she can see. That by telling people that he's an undercover police officer would completely undermine all of the work that he's done to try to infiltrate that group and give everybody absolutely no chance whatsoever of I'm taking him down. I mean, did he say? Did he tell them? He he told Toya all about. He's, well, he's, he told he, her everything. Well, now, he, he she knows then that something big is coming. So I don't think that she would actually go around telling everybody. Yeah. Hopefully what I think not. is going to happen, which I, what I hope happens, is that she gets involved and becomes a little amateur sleuth for him. You reckon? I, I don't know whether there's going to be time. I just got an idea that, like Greg has said, something big is happening at New Year. Toy has been a fairly minor character in the last couple of episodes now, unless they're probably going to ramp things up quickly. I, I don't know how heavily she's going to be involved in it, apart from she's now going to catch some of the fallout because... Not only will David be mad at Spider, Toya will be, you know, I know she's already been the pariah this year. Maybe she thinks, yeah, what's what's another one? What difference is that going to make? But, yeah, I think that, you know, she, she and Shona might be falling out and stuff. I don't know. Um, anyway, anyway, anyway. So back to the hospital and Lauren and Reese come there visiting Max and... Um, Lauren is also in the dark about this explosion. She, because she seems to think, sure, she believes the story about it being um, an exploding camping stove, which is what he's been telling the police. Then Griff comes in. Um, Reese is gone by this point, and Max is like, "Why, why haven't you told Lauren what we were up to?" And what was that in the boot? Because at this point, Max knew that he saw some kind of device. He's a little confused about what happened on the day because he's just, you know, woken up from this, this, um, he was, he was in a coma and then he wasn't (laughs) in a good way. Um, and Griff says, you're asking too many questions. And Max is like, you you, you, tell me something. Was it a button? And and Griff's like, look, you're right. It wasn't something that I acquired legally, but that's all you need to know. We're just going to have a bit of fun blowing up some hay bales. So there's your answer to what apparently they were, they were going to say they were going to do. But uh, I think, I can't remember who it is later in the week um, suggests that they were going to be on some kind of test run for what is actually going to be happening, presumably at New Year. But anyway, Griff kind of then turns it on Max and says, none of this would have happened if you hadn't found it in the boot and fiddled with it. And Max didn't do anything with it, did he? He just kind of took it out from under a, well, he just lifted a blanket off of it. 
but Griff is now putting it squarely on him, saying it's your fault. You shouldn't have even looked at it because it's because of this that it's now your fault and it's blown up. So he's kind of guilting Max into staying quiet about it, which is quite clever and a bit a bit dumb of Max. Um, but anyway, then the police come in and um, they were saying, oh, we heard there was an explosion out in Ogden Moss yesterday. Hmm. And I looked up Ogden Moss and it isn't actually a real place, at least as far as I could tell. So I'm just going to assume that this is actually um, a, a Hilda reference. Shout out. She, she did go up, and, you know, when she left Coronation Street 25, no, 35 years ago, she went to work for Dr. Lauder, didn't she? So I'm just imagining that she, she went up in the world and now she owns a big bit of land. She owns a bog. Yeah, exactly. And she... they can't call it Ogden Bog, because that's <laughs> too rhyming. Yeah, Hilda Bogton, is what I call that storyline. Anyway, um, they're, they're the cops like, do you know anything about this explosion? And Max says, oh yeah, it was just a gas canister that exploded, and you know, with, with no other information to go on, they just have to take his word for it and then leave. And, and Griff is very pleased with his young grasshopper. So Griff and Spider get talking later in the waiting room, and Spider is still trying to dig for information about this, but Glyph... Griff clearly doesn't want anybody apart from his very, very, very inner circle, which was basically just him and Reese knowing exactly what was going on with this bomb. Um, and so he won't tell Spider. Um, Griff says, you know, he, he does. He tries again to try and get Max out of it by saying, you know, he, he's a he's a liability. Maybe we should give him the old heave ho. And Griff says, no, I'm in charge here. You do you don't make suggestions like that. We're keeping him. I think he's going to be valuable to us. So. Then we have Toya speaking to Spider on the phone later. Um, he says, thanks very much for, for backing me up with uh, with not telling David. And it seems like she's maybe coming round to his way of thinking about, yeah, maybe I, it's best for all round if I don't you know, fess up about this. So she's like, right, sounds like it's been really difficult for you, Spider, but you're not alone anymore. You want to come over, Nick and Leanna are out for the night, eight, eight, eight. <laughs> She's such a horny devil, isn't she, that Toya Battersby? She knows what she wants. She is. She's like, you know, last uh, 24 hours earlier, she was there like saying, no, I don't want anything to do with you. You've been having a racist phone call. And now she's ready to drop her drawers for him again. (laughs) Terrible. So he's like, I can't get involved, Toya. I can't protect you. (laughs) Poor Imran. He's literally, he's going to be spinning in his grave, isn't he? Like Imran who? I was thinking about all this. Um, so Spider takes Max home and reminds him that these are the people that care for you and love you. Go and have a nice happy Christmas t- together with them. Don't give Griff another thought for the moment. Um, so he Max goes in and, and he, he tells them that you know, he, got, he was in hospital for this exploding camping stove. But he's fine now. Um, I just didn't want you getting mad at Griff, uh, David. But David is still pretty mad and has shown us like, like not, I haven't got the time for this now, David. He's home, he's safe, he's in one piece. Let's just be grateful for this. End of the episode, Spider goes back to see Toya again. He, he's also, he can't keep his hands off her. He's, he's, got, he's got smut on the mind, has Smider. And um, she, she tells him, oh, I want to be with you, Spider. I don't care about the risks. And she gives him a kiss. Um, and he's like saying, no, I, I can't protect you. And she's like, look, we're gonna, I'm going to be afraid of what's going on, whatever happens. So we can either be afraid apart or afraid together. I don't know which one I prefer. Also... No one's going to find out about your secret. Definitely, definitely not. It's definitely. safe with me. No, I will not tell anybody about this. And it's definitely, definitely... I don't trust Toya on that one jot. She's a massive blabber, is Toya. Um, anyway, so Spider and Toya have a lovely evening together full of um, Christmasy games and fun, I'm sure. So, Sunday's episode. So, Christmas Day. Um, 
this this is kind of most more focuses on the plats rather than the racists, I suppose. But Gail's got herself a, a birdhouse for Christmas. <laughs> and um, Corrie Christmas Day innuendo number one. Sally tells her, you need to get your hands on some fat balls. Yeah. Um, almost perfect delivery from Sally Dinova there. It did sound a little bit too much like she was talking about testicles than actual. You wouldn't say fat balls, you'd say fat balls. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think that she put the stress on balls a little bit too much, but ha ha ha, isn't it funny? Um, classic Cory comedy there. Inside the plats, it seems things are going well for them. Um, kids are getting their presents at lunchtime for some reason. And being middle class, Michael. And totally women. Well, I mean, this is we. When did we open our presents on Christmas Day? It was like three o'clock or something, yep. was it? If not, oh, you know, I, I don't. I know like, you're from. I don't a, like that family tradition a, of your family. A family with you know, can't can't wait to get their mitts no. on. No Christmas on presents, presents open by ten in the morning at least. Come on, that's tradition. No, not for us apparently. Anyway. <laughs> The Platts and the Battersby's are having their <coughs> Christmas dinner at the bistro later. So it's who was there? Stephen, Audrey, Gail, David, Lily, Max. And then, yeah, like you said earlier, Toya and Leanne kind of plonked on the end mm. for, for, the, for the nick link, I suppose. Um, and yeah, they're just having a nice time. And Max gets his um, Edit Sweet Pro as a present from David nice. and Shona. Um, some people were saying about... Um, why is, why is there a boxed version of it? And it should these things, aren't they, just download these days? But I don't know. Maybe it's got maybe it's got a little Maybe it's got a little code, code in inside. It. It's still nice to have something to unwrap, isn't it? You don't want to open a, a bit of paper with a code written on it, do you? You want a box? Yeah. Don't know what, I don't have no idea what was in the box, because <laughs> um, I'm sure his laptop doesn't have a CD drive. But anyway... Maybe it's got a little USB stick in so it. So he's, he's chuffed with this. He, and it's, there's some really nice scenes, and it is funny, like, seeing... There's there's glimmers of nice Max still coming through in this story, isn't there? Which is what makes him a really interesting character to me because, you know, there are times when he's, like, really vile and he's dismissive to David and being just general grumpy teenager. But sitting him there with, like, Lily, because uh, Lily says, oh, did you like the present? And he's like, oh, I love it. And he's just like, really yeah. sweet. And she gave up her, her pocket money for it. What did he get her? I don't know. <laughs> Probably a recruitment leaflet of sorts or something. Um, anyway, so they're having a lovely time there until David makes a crack about Griff. And he says, oh, I didn't think that Griff would be celebrating Christmas this year. You know, what with Jesus coming from the Middle East and being Jewish and all that. And Max is like, I'm not, I'm not having any of this. You're always making a dig about him. I love it when he says... He's not racist. And the, the way that he delivers that line, and he's had to do it a couple of times, is like he's kind of smiling through it. Like he's still 100% convinced, isn't he? Um, and he's just thinking, I'm utterly fed up of everybody saying this. I think he's doing a really good job of that. But anyway... he, he says, at least he cares about me. Yeah, yeah, at least he cares about me. Not, not like, like Not like you. Well, I don't even why I bother coming to this mall. Oh, uh, moody teenager mode, off he goes. He ends up at Griff's... Um, who's telling him, yeah, we've got these big plans coming up for New Year. Everyone's going to have a part to play. So he's obviously got, you know, he's got his designs on what everyone's going to be doing and Max is going to be there. Probably the sacrificial lamb in the whole thing in some way. I don't know what he's going to do. Because up until this point, he's really just been there for the propaganda side of things, hasn't he? And making his making his uh, videos and stuff. But I don't know. I've got, I've got a feeling that he's going to be put in a, um, a very, very difficult position. Um, maybe you'll get properly hurt this time, I don't know. Anyway, um, Spider takes Max to one side and says, 
that I, I don't think you should be here, go back to your family, and Max is like, no, not interested, actually. Um, Monday's episode, um, it's breakfast time, David's there with Max, um, it's all very awkward, Max isn't interested in um, engaging with him, really, he heads out, goes to chat with Lauren in the cafe. Lauren's had a fairly um, small part in this story for quite a while now, hasn't she? Compared to yeah. compared to everyone else, I'm not. I know she's there as the. She's the she's the character that's really. What what's keeping Max, giving him something to care about, and you know now now he's got his heart in this group because of Lauren. But as I, a person herself, I'm not really sure. We don't really know her particularly well. No. And and how much that she knows as well, because she's obviously been brainwashed as well. Well, she's not been involved in their plan for the for the camping trip. No, no. So it still was a little <coughs> unclear about what they were actually going to be doing on this camping but trip. She but she obviously completely buys into their rhetoric, and because she's mm. been raised, yeah, in this sort of yeah, in this environment for the whole of her life. Yeah. I wonder whether like. Reese realizes this could be very dangerous what they're getting into and although he likes to have Lauren on his side and she can be quite useful she doesn't want he doesn't want to risk her getting properly hurt because Reese doesn't yeah because she is his daughter after all so the less she knows about it the better maybe maybe she'll maybe she'll die and it will turn mm. Reese to ally with spider better yeah maybe we did suggest that as an idea last week didn't we that yeah. reese kind of goes off as a not not the lauren dying bit but reese going off because he wants to be the new leader or whatever it is i would hope certainly push max away from griff as well i don't know um anyway um so we have another christmas market scene later on and, and david has a bit of a confrontation with griff and max and david says oh griff you need to leave my son alone and they have a bit of a push and a shove and everything which ends in max telling david oh i hate you and um i'm gonna go and gonna go and live with griff so um so he does really he, he go he's getting ready to, to to pack up to leave to go to griff's house house later and david has a last ditch attempt to get him through to him uh, but max says you're not my dad and then he leaves um, and, uh, so, so what can David and Shona do now? They've got, a, they've got themselves into a bit of a, a tricky legal situation. Let's get our, uh, brightest young law, legal mind on Coronation Street. There must Street. be somebody on, somebody on the Somebody must know things about law and stuff. a lot of experience working in that. Should, should we ask Adam? No, no, no. Should we ask the policeman, Craig? No, no, no he he's too know. busy scoffing his... Why don't we ask Dee Dee? No, no. Alia, there you go. Oh, yeah, you've she'll been, know. You've been working at the law office for about a month now. Tell us what you reckon. Part time. Yeah. Tell us uh, what you think we can do with Max here. It's, can we do Griff a kidnap? And then she's like, I don't think so. But I will double check with Dee Dee. She's like, oh, I think I read a bit of paper that said something about this the other day. Hmm. How convenient. <laughs> Very convenient. And anyway, she's going to check with Dee Dee. So she scurries off to do that. We don't hear anything more about her. And the last scene of the episode is um, David turning up at Griff's house, house later with his tail between his legs. Shona's kind of told him, you need to go and be a bit more humble about this and try and get Max back. So David says, look, sorry, Max, I thought the worst of you. I'm going to try and do harder. Uh, you may not think of me as a dad anymore, harder. but you'll always be my son and I love you. And Max is like, no, he's not interested. And Griff's kind of smirking to David and saying, I'll, I'll take care of him now. And just basically just shoves David out the door and closes it in his face. So hilarious. Full on separation has happened between Max and David. He's chosen his side. Yep. Sad. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. 
any any extra thoughts about this one? I think we've kind of covered a lot of them as we've gone through. Um, I don't know. I, I just think, like I said before, it feels like we're in very much the same situation now as we were a week ago, apart from Max has got a few burns on him. Well, and Toya knows. Oh, yeah, Toya knows is, I suppose, the biggest development here. But even... I've been just very frustrated with how little Toya there's been in this story, even though she should be... The major it one. feels like not the not the major one, but she should be a bit more of a bigger part. And well, yeah, she's back with Spider again, but it seems so so far as in a so what. The bomb the bomb was really the catalyst for Spider telling Toya. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that you needed to blow somebody up for that. Mm. You know what I mean? I I, I don't know. Uh, I'd like to see a bit more of Toya kind of wrestling with what can I do about this? Yeah, but she can't tell anybody. She, 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 it would have to be her talking to herself, which is ridiculous. Well, she, we, we've not even seen scenes of her and Spider apart from on that Christmas Eve episode or the 23rd of December episode. They've not had anything to do with each other since. And it's like, well, if they're, if they're a team now, let's show them as a team. Yeah. You know, that like, why, why couldn't Toya have had Christmas Day with him or... I don't know. Because he's with the racists. Yeah, I know. But, or, or she could have tempted him away from the racists. And, but it's his don't job. don't think he'd have been welcome at the Bistro. No, Didn't even job. get Christmas Day off. No. Do you think that she's uh, Do you think she's making a mistake? Being with Spider. Um. It's kind of nice that, um, that they're back together because I do enjoy them as a couple. And I don't know whether there's, uh, there's very much now that could make Toya reject him again because no. she seems to know everything and she like I said she's been a pariah when she's stuck with Imran earlier this year as well yeah I mean um, in my mind what I imagine happens is once this storyline is over then Toya and then it, then for some reason it's going to get revealed to everybody that Spider was an undercover policeman even though that's not what you would really do in real life because you want to maintain your yeah, I guess an- so. anonymity you and can't then, do any more undercover stuff around there. I think anymore, he'll quit. He? I think he'll quit being an, an undercover policeman and go back to whatever he was. Before. I would hope so. And then they'll just, uh, or he'll leave the street, which I don't want him to do. I don't want him to go, but I <laughs> really just feel like. But I don't want him to have to be alone. Is over. No, okay. I don't. I, they, they, you know, secret sneaking about policey stuff aside, Toya and Spider clearly do make a really great match. So it'd be a shame for, for him to leave the show and leave her on her own again and then, you know, fall into you know, relative Coronation Street obscurity again because she doesn't have that many other links with other characters on the street, does she? So, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so I, 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 I'm just going to say I, I somewhat enjoyed this, but I'd like to be enjoying it more. But I do have high hopes for something hopefully explosive on New Year's New Year's Eve. Will somebody end up dead in it? I don't know. I think Lauren's gonna die, that's why. Is that is that your prediction? Yeah, is yeah, it? Yeah. Lauren's gonna Lauren's gonna, Lauren's gonna cop it. Yeah. Gonna okay, well, it. we will have to see. Could so, buy the turkey farm. <laughs> wedding Days storyline, Gemma. Back to you. What has Daniel and Daisy been up to? On Friday, Daniel comes round to the Rovers to ask Jenny for Daisy's hand in marriage, which I thought was really cute. And um, she gives he gives her the ring, and she's like, "Oh, I love it! Thanks so much!" Wow! And she's like, "He says 
You do know I'm not proposing to you. <laughs> and Jenny says you wouldn't get me in a million years, mate. Jenny didn't hasn't had a huge amount to do over these past few days, but I did. Um, I have like appreciated her. her. Yeah, yeah. When, when she said that, and uh, and then when later on in the scene where Jenny's like saying, "Just don't hurt her ever," that was a brilliant delivery of it as well because she's going from like cheery, joyful, yeah. oh, my Yay! my daughter is being is is being going to be proposed to just to straight. <laughs> you, don't, you mess about with her, mate. I loved it. So, <clears throat> Daniel's got some decorations out in the attic to spruce up the scaffolding. And uh, there's a funny little thing in there from Tracy. Oh, yeah. Little... yeah that, well, that, that gets revealed later, doesn't it? Tracy's <clears throat> uh, Tracy Langton, age seven, macaroni angel. What they see in this scene, though, is the Christmas card from Don and Ivy. There were, yeah, there were nice. quite a few little references to old characters in the Christmas Day episodes and, and, and thereabouts. Because you've got, you got this, you've got your Jack and Vera, which is maybe a little bit tired around um, Tyrone and, and Fizz. Um I can't remember who else. I've got Les with his turkey farm that he went off to. So that was all quite nice. But um, the the funny thing with this uh, card from the Brennans was it said like, oh, to the, no, sorry, to the Barlows, um, wishing you a very merry, blessed Christmas. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas, 1989. And um, well, the Barlows did not have a wonderful Christmas, 1989. This was when um, Ken reveals that he's seeing Wendy Crozier. <laughs> I think it was a Christmas Eve revelation to Deirdre. Oh dear. So they actually had... Possibly the worst ever Christmas on that year. So I wonder whether it was randomly picked or whether it was picked like kind of Hopefully ironically by the writers or um, by the uh, by the archivists. I wonder whether that was the reason they saved that card, just out of irony. <laughs> Ken loves a bit of irony. Oh, He's no. like proper literate. Isn't he? <clears throat> it's like oh, this was a pathetic fallacy. No, it's not what that is, is it? No. Um, Daniel, yeah, da- Daisy finds her present under the tree and they've had a, a budget of £20 each. Mm-hmm. But and it, whatever he's bought her is in a bottle bag and she thinks that's a bit unoriginal. Yes, it's, a, it's probably some wonky it's duck. It's not a wonky duck because it's £20 limit. Oh yeah, it's more expensive than that. Aggie's not... I did a better job than he did at well Christmas done. for you. Well done. That wasn't the only thing I got you at all. No. I went, I went brag. <laughs> what? He's trying to think about other things that I got you for Christmas. I got you a giant panettone. You love them. It's salted caramel panettone. Yeah, from yeah. John Lewis. Thank you very much. Good job. It's, how much was that? Well, I can't remember, but Ag- 20 quid. <clears throat> he got me some gin and some panettone. Yeah, and other things. Yeah, right. But but no wedding ring. Oh, engagement ring. <laughs> you don't need one. No, thanks. Uh, Aggie's not impressed by the scaffolding. <laughs> and I thought... That she decided to do a bizarre... Because Coronation Street sometimes goes completely crazy at Christmas, as we all have just discussed. And Aggie's not impressed by the scaffolding that's decorated. And then when they get home from the pub, all the presents are gone. And I thought that Aggie had stolen them all <laughs> to like teach them a lesson about the true meaning of Christmas or something bizarre like that. Aggie shinning up the scaffolding. Um, well... It turns out Tracy's bedroom window was open and that's how they got in. And she blames Steve scaffolding. And Daniel's devastated because there was the ring was under the tree. I find it very unlikely that somebody would have been able to climb up the scaffolding and in through that window. Because there's always people going up and down that street. In broad daylight. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. And let's not forget, number one has got a video doorbell. Yeah. So seriously, have they thought of checking that footage? Because I think um, our culprit has uh, has been found. Yeah, I think uh, that's or what bo- that's found. what boggled my mind about this. Mm. This this is why I didn't think it was a burglar. A burglar because burglar. 
They're supposed to be... Because um, there's too many things that don't make yeah. sense. They're supposed to be scaffolding around the back, actually, isn't there? And I don't know whether Tracy's bedroom, bedroom is supposed to be in front well, of the back let's room. let's just but... say that's what happened then. Yeah. Anyway, Daniel's devastated. And uh, Daisy's, like, only thinking <coughs> about Bertie's present, which I thought was very sweet. Because his presents have all gone now. Yeah, he's got his neutron man that so he's supposed she to be getting. immediately dashes off to town to try and get him a replacement. Um... Daniel goes to the pub and tells Jenny about the ring and he says, I'm not going to propose now because I don't have the ring. Ken sees Aggie at the market, tells her about the burglary and she says, she sees Daniel breaking the bad news to Bertie. Yes. This is why my, my, um, my, 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 my thing was like, I, 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 obviously this is not going to come back. I don't don't know. I mean, we we still don't have a culprit, do we? No. In the pub later. Was that as well? Daisy's telling Daniel about how she wasn't able to get Bertie the present he wanted and Aggie comes in and says look here's some of our presents from the Bailey stash and can you turn off the scaffolding lights please and I don't think they do (laughs) I thought that was lovely I thought that was very nice and heartwarming I love Aggie give her more nice things to do because I thought that was lovely yeah she's like you can have these presents I'm not going to be there on Christmas Uh, Day I'm bloody working (laughs) I don't know what it is that um, she ended up getting them but even though there's a few presents for Bertie in there and she's like oh he's probably a bit young for them like what what is there that like Michael would have been gifted for Christmas that is still appropriate for Bertie has he got himself a bottle of yeah Michael Bailey yeah has he got himself like a bottle of He's probably bought a box of a Lynx Africa gift set or something. That's the classic. <laughs> classic. And if you're a lady, you get Dove. Yeah. Daisy is feeling chilled with her president... Pres- Presentless. Christmas, because she's like, I don't mind, because I'm not going to die of cancer. And that's all I really care about at the moment. Um, which is a very nice present to get, isn't it? Jenny's telling Daniel that he needs to ask Daisy anyway, even if she he doesn't have a ring. And he says, no, I want to do it properly. Jenny tells Ken and Rita about the situation and Ken's like, well, what an idiot. He can still, he can still propose. So Daniel and Daisy are in the pub uh, about to leave and Ken's like, no, 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 pull a cracker before you do. And uh, they pull the cracker and inside is a wedding ring and a slip of paper saying, will you marry me? And Daniel realises what's going on. He gets down on one knee and Daisy accepts and everyone applauds. Aww. I thought that was really sweet, I thought that was a sweet way of doing it. I thought it was a really nice, warm, kind of cosy scene, that one. And and when they pulled the cracker and there was the little clink on the floor, I thought it was lovely. And also, um, the the, the little will you marry me for for Daniel. And then Daisy says, oh, is there one in there for me? And Ken's like, it's a bit presumptuous, isn't it? It was was lovely. I I thought that, um, yeah, that that Jenny and Ken as the the proud kind of parents was uh, was very sweet. Everyone's happy. And Daisy, well, she was looking gorgeous on Christmas Day as well, wasn't she? Oh, she looked fabulous. Bright red lipstick and all that. Back at home later, Daisy's uploaded a photo of her engagement ring to her her favourite social media site, SendPX. (laughs) And uh, she gets a comment from this charming man, all in caps, which says, Beautiful, just like you. And Daniel's like, Oh, don't like that, that comment. But Daisy says, Oh, everyone's just really happy for us. So on Monday, Daniel and Daisy are talking about the weddings and she's like, oh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't mind a small ceremony, but something really uh, a bit bigger wouldn't be bad, would it? <laughs> and then Mary comes in and Daisy says, oh, I should do a little video for all my social media to promote your flower shop. And Mary and Daisy think that's both a brilliant idea. Yeah, because Daisy's decided that she wants to... 
it might be a bad idea to try and fund <coughs> the wedding with with, pro, with funding. <coughs> oh my gosh, are you alright? Yes. You take a glug of gin again. Alright. Yeah, she thinks that um, yeah, getting some money from her sponsors because she's big name in in Weatherfield social she get media. Money. She's gonna get things, you know, like like this. So so yeah, but she wasn't... can get things and then sell them. Yeah, but they'll be for the wedding. I guess. When she posted her engagement picture, some of the comments on the social media site were like, "Oh, we should do a collab. We should do." A... We, yeah, yeah, we we did have a pause, didn't we, in a read of them? There, so, was, there was no Edgar Allan Poe on the comments this week. No, so so it wasn't explicitly stated here, but I think the obvious thing here is that Daisy and Daniel do a little post on social media featuring. Barlow's you no know, Preston's petals, and then they will do their wedding flowers for them at reduced price or free or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So, so they do this video where her she's saying, "Oh, I'm here with uh, Preston's petals, blah blah blah," and Daniel's in the background just saying, "Oh, this is a load of old crap. I hate this," and just ruining it all every well, day. Well, he's ruining it. Mary's ruining it by jumping in, going, "Hello, it's me, Mary." I, I don't know why show. Amy's there, but she's there. I, as didn't, well. I didn't get why. Amy I mean, I know. Was there well, it's, she's kind of she's related to Daniel. Yeah, she did, I mean, she seemed like a bit superfluous to the whole scene. Well, really, she's just but... excited that he, that Daisy's getting married, I guess. But yeah, she I don't know why she was there. I, so, I mean, the only reason I can think of is because they then needed her to go into the the cafe later and tell um, Carla. Yeah, tell Carla what's been going. Is well, hang right? on, let me get to it. So, so Daniel's like, this is all fake. He huffs off. And then he goes is in with Carla later in the, in the, cafe. in the cafe. And he's like, I really hate all this social media stuff. And then Amy comes in and has a go at him. And it was like an advert for Twitter. She's like, oh, Daisy was only doing this to fund your wedding. And also she's posted about how to check your boobs. So sometimes it's just selfies. But a lot of the time it's actually really important stuff on social media. You're just a snob who doesn't understand. Yeah, but no, <coughs> no better than that Chris Pringle. Yeah. But he didn't, but he's not on but Scent PX social, either. Yeah, they hate social media. Mary comes in excited to the pub later. She's like, oh, wow, the social media post. We've had so many orders because of you. Thank you so much. And uh, Daniel comes in and apologises and says that I, I know it's, it's, social media is not my thing, but it is your thing and I respect you for that. And if you want to have another go at this uh, this video, I'll, I'll help you out. And she and she's looking through her messages and then another person... Um, it's that this charming man yeah. comes up again and uh, she doesn't mention it and Dan Daniel doesn't notice. Yeah, so this is kind of setting the seeds for a new storyline, it seems, doesn't it? Uh, some kind of social media, is she going to have a, a stalky follower online? Mm. And um, the, the theory that I've seen banded about online is that this charming man is actually that chat with the, uh, with the cancerous mum from the hospital last week, which makes sense because he did feel like he was overly... He was, yeah, he was overly main character-ish. Yeah. He, he wasn't just there for the sake of it. So um, what 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 would you think about that being a, a story? Well, it'd be a bit random that he found her on social media. I don't think so. I can't, well, I I can't remember whether she showed him anything. people get stalky and weird, so I'm not really that surprised, to be honest. Yeah. But do you, do you think that a, um, can <coughs> Coronation Street do a... Do, <coughs> do a good job of a social media stalking storyline. Although, haven't we also just had this with Maria getting stalked online? Is this another repeat of a, something that we've only Depends just on recently had? Depends how serious and scary it gets, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going to be... I would hope that Daisy's not going to have her head turned by 
by this guy. Although, to be fair, Daniel is being a massive ass about pretty much everything at the moment. She should have thrown that proposal back in his face, to be honest. As sweet well, as it was and how much I do like I them think, as a couple. He's, think, not really be, he's not doing a good job of being a, a fiancé. I think he's got a point, though. I'm on his side more than I'm on her side. But unfortunately, if you're going to marry the girl, you've got to agree that she this is what she wants to do and if you don't agree with it then don't be in a relationship with her because it's obviously like one of the most important things and it's not like something that's been made up new for her character either is it ever since she's been in it she has been a big social media girl but i feel a bit bad for daniel because if you're gonna have a stance against social media and you find it intrusive and, and silly and weird you're definitely not going to enjoy having your whole preparations for your wedding and your wedding on social media for sponsorship. I mean, that just seems really tacky. Yeah, but it, but I still think that he should have made a bit more of an effort with it when he was just standing well, there. Well, I bet he agreed looking, to do it. <clears throat> looking like an idiot. That's the thing. He shouldn't. He shouldn't have agreed to be involved in it at all if he was going to be like that about it. No, he's just spoiling it. Yeah, I agree with that. It's a bit like the Tyrone on Christmas morning thing. Just with trying to ruin everything. Yeah, just being purposefully ruiny. Yeah, um, I, I don't. I, I, I can't. I mean. I find I found it a bit weird that we the moral of the story was that social media is good. And Can be um, good. even if you're a vacuous twit who puts every single moment of your life on the internet all the time forever, um you and but you post something about your boobs, then it's mm. it's like a, a net win for good <laughs> do you think that um do you think the the, the wedding is going to take place are we, are we should we be getting our hats and for, for 2023 yeah i hope so i, re- I really do hope so because, i mean um, to say yeah just uh, just about social media and stuff i mean i've been through i've done all this myself i we i used to do collabs in return for things put stuff on the internet and, and things like that so um I can see where I can see why it's exciting for Daisy to want to do that, but I just find it weird to involve very very personal parts of your life, and because you do end up with people like this guy. Yeah. Even I ended up with people that were weird and like started asking you questions, and they they men get really odd with mm. you, and they will ask you for weird pictures or they'll like weird pictures and you realise that there's a weird yeah. theme to what they're up to. Do you think she, he's either going to be sending her a bit of a rude picture of, him, of a part of his anatomy or kidnapping? Did yeah. you like a good kidnap well, on Coronation Street, don't they? One of those they? two is more likely than the other on Coronation Street. I don't think we're going to get dick pics. Well, a... they had that earlier this year with Max, didn't they? And he's got away with it. Oh, he got away with it, didn't he? Yeah. Um, well, he got bullied I... for a little bit but I think everyone seems to have forgotten about that, wouldn't they? I think... Um, I would like the story, the moral of the story to be a bit like don't put everything about yourself online because mm. I think that's just wise. I think that you should keep a few bits back to yourself but maybe that's hypocritical because we talk about very personal things <laughs> yeah. on our podcast. Yeah, that's very true. But yeah, we haven't had any uh, crazy online stalkers coming after us yet, have we? And no, it's been 10 years so. now so I think, we've, uh, I think we're all right. I think we're all right and safe now. But it's just, it's just a bit dangerous to sort of put, especially like, oh, here's my engagement ring which looked like it was worth about 10 grand at least mm. and it was Ken's mum's sisters yes yeah apparently i did look this up apparently ken's mum ida has got two sisters did i write it down yeah there's a sister called ethel and a sister called vera neither of whom appeared on the program so um i thought it would have been sweet if it had been 
Deirdre's ring, but yeah, I was expecting it to be somebody who we knew, or or I I was half expecting Jenny to be able to to cough up um a, a, the, a the ring. ring that Johnny had given her. Or but something would it be like that? I don't know. cursed? You know, if it's from Deirdre. Uh, but then maybe. William gave Catherine Diana's ring, and I thought that was dodgy and, and cursed. Oh, yeah. But she apparently liked it. They're all right, yeah. Um, I wonder is as well. Is this going to be the story that finally brings Mister Midgley back into the program? Because you know, there's no reason I don't think that Daisy's dad shouldn't be involved or told about this or anything like that. Do you? I can't yeah. remember what the state of their relationship is supposed to be. I know that she's she's shacked up at the Rovers with Jenny now, but I don't I don't think I she's estranged. I want to go back in time and rewatch how she came in because she came in with wasn't that something to do with Sam and Moose and I don't know. And she came in when Jenny was getting ready for a party or something with her gormless boyfriend. I don't remember. I know that she did have a um a scene where she kind of opened up to Jenny a little bit and said, "Oh, since since Tom died." Um, and, and dad kind of half blamed me or something. I can't remember. There's something, but I, I don't think that he's completely estranged, but I guess if it suits the storyline, he can be. I was a more a little bit miffed, to be honest, this week about the fact that Scylla wasn't invited to, to her Tyrone and Fizz's no, wedding. That would have made it perfect. Didn't even get a mention. It didn't even get a phone call of, what's that, Scylla? Your osteoporosis is playing up again? Oh, well, never oh, well. mind. Okay. Uh, he was supposed to just be pleased that Evelyn's turned up. But anyway, I, I think that Daniel and Daisy, I hope that they do um, go the distance. I mean, it's a bit it soon to be engaged because they've not known each they've only known each other as as much, you know. Yeah. But I think she hasn't it fits, even been in it for that long. She's not been in it that long, but it kind of fits with Daniel. He is a you know, he li- he likes his poetry and he's a bit of an old romantic about these things, doesn't he? He's and he's not he, he again, he's not he is and he's he's not had his mother figure in his life after Denise um, bug it off. Yeah, bug it off, basically. So, yeah, he, he wants to, to have some kind of lady looking after him in a way. He needs somebody to, to give his hugs to, doesn't he? I suppose. I just think there's so much conflict that is just simmering and ready for this couple. Well, that's good, I suppose. But I wonder if they're going to use it because I feel like they manufacture the most boring, you know, oh, I thought you fancied her. Oh, you're having an affair. No, I'm not. Oh, yes, I am, mm. you know. Like, think of all the stuff with Sarah and, and Adam, which was really boring. I can't even remember what it was. You know, that kind of conflict has been done a million times. Mm. But but with um, with Daniel and Daisy, there's actually quite a lot of really interesting things here. Like, you know, um, did you just marry me so I could babysit your, your son for you? Yeah. Am I just a replacement for Sinead? Um, I'm, I'm fed up with you thinking that I'm... I'm as in Gemma's words, a vacuous twit. Oh, well, and um, him saying, "Did you only marry me so that you could get more followers?" That's exactly well. Well, also her, him saying, "Are you a gold digger?" And after my house, yeah. and her saying, "Well, listen, we're both adults. We're married now. Everything that is yours is mine, and vice versa. Why are we living here? Why don't you sell your your house so we can live somewhere nice together?" And him being like, "Oh, I, you know." Mm. They can't stay living in number one together once they're married. Well, they're also surely. not going to live in Denise's house, are they? No. So I just think there's a lot of interesting conflict, which actually feels very real and not at all manufactured and, you know, like made up the week before mm. for, for them to have arguments about. And I think they I think they could overcome all those um, obstacles. And I think that they would be a more interesting couple 
if they went through those. But I also do hope that they're not going to be one of these couples that stay together for a year and then and then split up. But I mean, that's, no. I guess that's partly dependent on whether Rob and Charlie want to stay in the program yeah, because both of those actors, I think, could you know potentially say you know I've I've made my name on Coronation Street. I'm ready to spread my wings, and I yeah. and I think that both of those would be a massive blow to the program. But that doesn't mean I don't think it's going to happen. I, I think it's. You know, I, I would say it's more likely than not that really? one of them will choose to leave at some point in the next five years. I'm, I'm sad to say, but yeah, hopefully I'll be proven wrong. Just before we move on, I do also want to say how lovely I thought it was that Daniel asked Jenny's permission for the for the for to get married, for, for, for Daisy's hand in marriage. I thought that was very sweet and traditional and lovely. Okay. So did Gemma probably. Well, I did, yeah, but I'm surprised you said that. Why? Because I didn't do it to you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. Couch for the Grouch story. So last week, Gemma predicted that George has actually ordered a um, a tiny doll's house size sofa. Well, I think anyone could have right. predicted it if we had known that he ordered it from Gulliver's Furniture. <laughs> I don't think that they gave that one away beforehand, did they? No. But but there I, was a bit of a clue within there, George, that you should have maybe picked up on. It should have been called Gullible Furniture. <laughs> so... I want to know how much this thing cost. I know, I'm really confused. Like, it was a bargain, but how much... Was it, like, 50 quid or something? Because, honestly, like, to buy a sofa, like, from DFS, to buy a sofa is, like, a grand for, like, a bit a big sofa. And, like, for a small kind of two-seater in a, in a like, F- FCS or whatever it is. Yeah, SCS. SFC. SCS. Whatever. It's, like, you know, a cheap one in the sale now is about 300 200 quid. Yeah. So how much was it really? Hundred pounds? <laughs> I, I I do wonder. Because, I don't because know that furniture it did look quite exquisite in the picture, like very very nicely detailed, but it didn't look like sofa money expensive. No, I don't know. But like you said last week on the podcast, people have fallen into this trap before. Yeah, yeah they have. But anyway, th- this story was particularly interesting to us because we also had a sofa delivered on the same exactly day as George did, didn't we? Day. Literally the very same day. So we bought this sofa for our lounge. We went to DFS, when was it, beginning of November? I think? No, it's the end of October. End of October. And they guaranteed Christmas delivery. And we were getting towards the beginning of last week still hadn't heard from them and saying, oh, yeah, well, delivery my ass. they sent us an email going, oh, your sofa's been delivered to the shop and you'll get it soon. And that was the 2nd of that December. That was the 2nd of December. But then we got in touch with the, the DFS and they're like saying, oh, no, oh, there's, a mistake. there's a foam shortage going on, don't you know? And um, so, yeah, we were very, very pessimistic about getting our sofa. But then we got a, a message to say that it would be delivered on the 23rd. So, it was yeah, it was quite funny that, that George's was also on the same day. Yeah. Except we got a real full-size sofa. Yeah, we did. You can did. sit on it and everything. It's not even a coffin. And somehow, and somehow, at the end of this story, they end up with a sofa that they bought that day. But we won't ask questions about oh, how... Books and day sales, isn't it? Yeah, but it that's must... not... That, okay, that's not how it works. <laughs> um, Friday, then. So, Lawrence is still there. Um, he kind of... He Lawrence dis- he's all, He disappears for Christmas Day. I there's, don't know what's going on with this. There's maybe some kind of mystery, I think but I'm really not, not interested in I know, that. I'm not interested, but I think his wife's not dead. Do you reckon she's still on the scene, yeah. do you? And also, he was walking around with this vest on, and everyone was sporing over him. Even online, people were going, oh, he's so handsome, he's so four, he's so, de- so delicious, he's got his top off and he's wearing a wearing a vest and absolutely no disrespect to this guy he was he is very handsome and he has got a nice body but that was the most granddad looking vest i've ever seen he did look since a bit my like granddad something. died my granddad used to wear vests like that with very thick um arm things 
Yeah. Why did it look like oh, such straps. an old man's vest? He did look a bit and of also, like out of Steptoe and Son. Why was he wearing a vest under his shirt? I thought he was a normal human being. <laughs> it's cold Do men North, still it? wear vests under their shirts? I don't know. I thought it was very odd. It's a very old-fashioned thing to do. Yeah, anyway. And it didn't flatter him at all. He It, it made really him be... look quite chunky. Uh, that's what I thought. And that, he's quite... He's... Not that I'm necessarily one to judge on how hot guys are, but... He's very... Know, spe- he... his arms out. I was like... Mm. He's a good-looking guy and he's got a good body, but that vest, my God. Mm. Well, it certainly does the, does the trick for Todd. Who um who's probably quite Todd's thinking like, for there. Todd's like, wow, vests. I should have got. I need a vest. <laughs> yeah, he's taking his jumper off because it's it's um it's tiring um it's tiring work, isn't it? To make uh, humping uh, humping what sofas around all over oh, okay. the place. Yes, and by the time you've done it, you're probably feeling banjacks. Banjacks. There we go. It's been a while since I've had one of those. Anyway, so um th- their plan on Friday is to is to get Eileen out of the house, didn't she? Was it that night that she stayed on at George's? It was the night before, wasn't it? That they're keeping Eileen away so that they can get the old sofa out and get the new one in. Uh, but alas, Eileen is telling George in the cafe that she wants to pop home <clears> to go and check that the guys are making a start on the Christmas dinner because she doesn't trust them with the sprout peeling and everything. Um, so, oh no, thinks George, we can't have her going back home. What are we going to do? So he kind of phones up Todd when she's gone to the loo. Um, and, and we then cut to... It takes like five guys to move this sofa out of the uh, out of the lounge for some reason. Move it twelve foot out of the out of the lounge. So there's there's Sean, there's Todd, there's Lawrence. Dylan was there, I think, we as well. We moved our sofa just the two of us to get it out of the way. Yeah. Um. Anyway, he's he's there. Um. They're that they're all there outside number eleven. Todd sees his voicemail, and then George and Eileen come round the corner, and luckily the guys hold manage to, to intercept this message just at the just at the right time. And uh, when they're round the corner, they're holding a big sheet up next to it, kind of shell hiding the old sofa. And Eileen's thrilled by this because George is spinning her some yarn about it, so to do with the Christmas present, and it's quite big and everything. So she's dead excited about all this. But later on, when the sofa does arrive, Gemma, guess what? It's the tiny doll's housework. <laughs> you was right. Do you think he's going to get... Everyone thinks it's hilarious, apart from George. Do you think he's going to return it and get his money back, or do you think he's going to keep it? I don't know. Maybe we'll see it on the, uh, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the dresser in the background in the future. But again, like I pointed out, it wouldn't have suited that room anyway. It really, really didn't fit. Like it's a, it's it looked like something you'd get in a stately home, or like a little doll's house, didn't it? It well, was too very fancy. Classic classic style but it's not just that even it's the colour too it in no way looked like it would fit among any other of the decorations in that house so um, I'd be more concerned about that if I was Eileen probably for the best I know but just imagine if he'd got it and it had been the real size sofa and Eileen was like that oh, would have you, been you got me actually this worse yeah because you can't return them anyway so they're stuck with this tiny sofa on Christmas Eve um, Sunday Christmas Day comes around um, Lawrence has got a stomach problem, allegedly, so he can't be there for the Christmas episode. <laughs> he's got the squits. Yeah, something like that. George is still worried about what he's going to do regarding Eileen's present here. And, uh, and Mary says, oh, well, I'll just get a big bunch of flowers. And then, she, oh, yes. And, and here comes Christmas Day innuendo number two, Gemma. What is it? Mary going on about about this guy's bloke, bloke, guy bloke. speak. This bloke, Ramon, and his hardy peonies. I, and how it put a smile on her face every morning for I, a week. I didn't get this at all because... It sounds it, like penis. Yeah, but it doesn't, does it? It looks like it's 
could be because it's one letter away. I thought away that she actually being... didn't do a too bad job of delivering that one. I still kind of rolled my eyes at he it because is. it's like, oh, we're in for this kind of Christmas, are we? No, I, th- I thought it was. I thought it was fine. That was a stretch. It, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. I'm also the best. annoyed that somebody would um, besmirch my beloved peonies because they are <laughs> my favourite flower. Actually. You can besmirch my peonies whenever you want, Gemma. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, there's. Uh, they're, they're saying, oh, at least it's not going to be as bad as the coffin <coughs> that you got her last year. And, and that gives Todd an idea. So Eileen comes back around the house later after a night out at George's house. And they present her with this new sofa that she's expecting. But she's like, hmm, that looks a bit odd. Why is my old bedspread on it? And why is it so low? Never mind, you've got, it's the thought that counts. And then she's like, yeah, fine, whatever, I'll go and sit on this sofa. She goes and sits down in it and it swallows her up, leaps up and pulls back the throw. And it's a coffin. It's filled with um, with cushions and everything. I don't really know what they expected to happen here. It's it was Christmas kind of, coffin. It was funny kind of when she leaps up and George is like, oh, those Weatherfield, Weatherfield furnishing a store. What, what are they going to... I can't believe they've tried this one on us. But literally, what did they expect? What did they think was going to happen here? I know they were trying to put her off sitting on it, but this was surely only a short-term solution. Yeah. I suppose the idea could have been that because we had these Boxing Day sales coming up that they could have tried to just persuade her to not sit on it for a day and then go off and get another one. I don't know. But anyway. Well, if she's anything like me on Christmas Day, she doesn't even get a chance to sit down. <laughs> that is very true. Um, anyway, Eileen says, um, what you got planned for me later? Walking off walking off dinner with a stroll around the cemetery to pick me plot. <laughs> um, and anyway, he, he's redeemed himself at the end of the episode because he's cooked a nice Christmas dinner and that's all you need to get in Eileen's good book. So she gives him his little snake hot water bottle and, um, and and his pair of earbuds. And we get to hear a funny story about um, a fellow funeral director who um, called... Oh, it? oh no, he Isn't calls watching. out, get in there! When he's listening to a cricket <coughs> score during the uh, during a during a funeral as the curtains going back, so that's kind of funny. Uh, anyway, the 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 plot twist that I suppose that happens at the end of this episode is that Eileen gets an email from Jason inviting her to be on I'm a Celebrity. I mean, <laughs> on, be on be in Thailand for a month. Wow! And you got an e-ticket attached to it, and you're coming tomorrow. So, what if she'd said no? Well, I know. I mean, it's a bit she annoying, does have a it? job. She can't just drop everything for a month but oh well I guess she's got no sick mother to look after so um, I hope none of that Gemma's you're, you're playing around it, with a, with a, a throw here I don't know if you can hear a crackling it's Gemma individually separating all of the little tassels nice. from the throw that's on her right, uh, stop doing it then. on her ne- uh, on her knees anyway so um, I thought that that was going to be the end that we'd see of this but the story goes into Friday with Lawrence showing back up again saying oh sorry I couldn't come over yesterday let's go for a walk but I Sean's not keen on this <laughs> Um, and he, he gives Sean his present, which is the most low effort present you can imagine, which is a, a signed photograph, not signed of photograph. Himself? Uh, of his cast It's my cast card. They actually gave me one. Um, no, it's a framed photograph of him and Sean together, um, which but must have set him it. back all of about five pounds. But Torn, Todd's looking a bit put out by this, because if you haven't noticed this so far from the many, many hints, Todd kind of got a thing for Lawrence. He likes dentists. Yeah, he does. Um, so... They're in the pub later and, and Lawrence is acting all suspicious. He's getting some emails that are dinging onto his phone or his iPad or something, I can't remember. And Todd notices this and Todd, Lawrence says, oh yeah, I'm just emailing my parents. As you do on Christmas Day. 
Is that the thing? When you text your parents. Yeah, um, uh, he kind of makes it out like emailing your parents is a normal thing. I, I wouldn't say so. Maybe even phone them up, Lawrence. But um, anyway, like we said earlier, George and Eileen have got themselves a lovely grey sofa. Um, it's the most boring it sofa. It is a very I've boring plain sofa. It's not very exciting, is it? But, like, I, I mean, it looks it's fine. Lovely. It looks comfortable and stuff. But it was like, it couldn't be more opposite from what George picked out for her. I oh, hope I know. he's noticed that. <laughs> um, Sean, Dylan, and Lawrence are going off to the Peak District for the night, which again, Sean's a bit jealous Maybe of, and Eileen gonna... notices this. No. No, and then she Todd, goes on a Todd trip. is jealous. Todd's jealous, sorry, yeah. Do you think uh, they're going to get blown up by racists? Oh, maybe. That'd be quite funny. Maybe they are going to go and blow things up in the Peak District. I don't think so. But um, <coughs> anyway, how, how did you enjoy this uh, this comedy storyline of Christmas for it period? It was fine. It made me laugh. It was silly. But I'm sure lots of people hated it. It was definitely eye-rolling, um, eye-roll worthy. But I don't know. But I think it was partly corny. because it, it was, it, yeah, partly because it tied into us getting our new sofa. I kind of appreciated it. Yeah, I like yeah. I like the characters that were involved. It was all, it seemed like all very predictable and a bit silly. I want. I, don't, I didn't mind it. And you don't. But I definitely do want there to be a, a yearly running joke that every year George has a hilarious mishap with Eileen. I don't know. There's only so yeah. many years you can really run this. No, I think there's, there's limitless possibilities. It was fine. It, it was fine. Every year what? there's always people in the paper, in the local papers, looking sad, n- posing next to some atrocity that they've been given or accidentally received for Christmas present mm. that they misread the, the details of or has been sent the wrong item or something and ruined Christmas. Mm. So they could just take their pick of... Years and years and years of uh, of local newspaper stories. Yeah. I was just thinking, with uh, with Eileen, we know that she's only going to be away for a month because I'm a Celebrity has got a certain run time. Do they really need a story about why she's not going to no, be in it? I say this every time. I just don't mention it. Unless, I suppose, I suppose the thing is, they're clearly gearing up for this story with Todd and Lawrence and maybe it'd be weird... For Eileen not to be around, so they'd need a reason. I guess but so. I, I, but they I mean, probably could have got away with just not mentioning it. Let's just let's just talk about the fact that Abby disappeared off the screen for months on end this yeah. year, and she never had an alibi. No, she just had a baby. She to was look just after. there, going. Oh, I just assume she's yeah. just changing nappies. Yeah. Anyway, um, what's going on with Lawrence? Was he really emailing his parents? No, it's his dead wife. You reckon? Yeah, he's he's managed to set up his Ouija board. I was I was genuinely quite surprised that we didn't have Lawrence and Todd having a bit of a fumble on that sofa. Well, that's what you wanted. Or in to the coffin. I'm not saying I wanted it to happen. But it just felt like it was going that can way. Can I just say whoever is in charge of of the the um set there has not got a fumbly sofa. It's too small. It's a two seater. Oh yeah. You're that's gonna have true. a fumble on that. You're gonna put your back. Well, out. what if they'd had a fumble on the coffin? Then it like closed them in on them. Imagine, oh. <laughs> imagine if the coffin had locked down on them and they'd have been knocking and then somebody said, what's that? Oh, somebody's trapped inside this coffin. Who is it? What the hell? It's naked naked Lawrence and Todd inside. <laughs> Close it back up again quickly. Don't trap anything <laughs> in there, guys, when, you, when you're slamming it shut. Watch your peonies. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, that that's, I assume, going to happen. Um, I'm not not thrilled with the idea. No, I but, don't. I but um, we have the Stephen storyline, Gemma. Back over to you. Um, poor old drama here. Jenny is maudlin on her Leahless Christmas. Yeah, on, a, li- a little Christmas bit. Day. She didn't look mega sad. But well, you know. I'd have to get her sniffing around Stephen again. 
uh, Stephen offers to have a drink with her later, and, and he's he seems to be making moves on her, doesn't he? At yes. the family lunch, Stephen's got David a travel pillow that he has to share with Shona. And it's already blown up as well. He doesn't even get the joy of um, inflating it himself. No, and he doesn't get a, a birthday present either. Um, well, Because he says it's on its way. Yeah, not until the next day. Yeah, I know. Okay. Stephen gets a text from Elaine going, oh, come round later to the Metcalfs. I've got you a present. So he goes over there to see Elaine um, and she gives him a hip flask for Christmas. Sally and Tim head out to Craig and Faze, but Elaine says, oh, you know, I I feel a bit tired. I'm going to stay here. And then she says, <laughs> oh, I just wanted some more interesting company. <laughs> Was this a sly dig in about and Craig and Faye? Craig. Yeah. Honestly, though, those two, can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, Christmas Day with Craig and Faye just going on about the menopause again. Cause that uh, little space. Well, I, don't, I don't know what is going on with that couple, with that character. Like, we've seen them in just, like, a handful of episodes this year. It's like they're, it's not they're trying to maybe thing. make something interesting in a storyline, but... No. Just no. What is going on there? And they, did, they uh, despite there being 67 cast members on the Christmas Day episode, Craig and Faye weren't among them. Craig and Faye. Yeah. At the end of the day, Jenny sees Elaine getting a kiss under the mistletoe from Stephen, which uh, annoys her because she knows that Stephen was uh, trying yeah, to get Yeah, there's been her. a couple of scenes in the last couple of days where Jenny has been handily sweeping up outside the rover's door to see what's going on outside those houses opposite. Um, Stephen sees Jenny as Tyrone and Fizz head off um, in their marital bliss and he apologises for not coming around earlier and Jenny says, don't worry about it, I'm not. Like, totally dissed him and, and walked off. On Monday, he tries to apologise to her again and um, come round uh, to to hang out with her and she says, oh, I'm, I'm busy Plan later. Again, Sorry. Then he sees Elaine who tries to get him to go round to hers later and he's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. I think I've got to be around Gail's house. I'm not sure. And, and she's very insistent and won't take no for an answer. Stephen re-gifts his hip flask as a Christmas present to David. He's not impressed at all. And this was weird because this was the catalyst for Gail working out that something weird is going on with Stephen. Of all the things that have happened, <laughs> this was the thing, like an, oh, an inappropriate Christmas present. And I'm just going to say that across the country... There are thousands and thousands, if not millions of people, who stuffed up by an inappropriate present for people. And if it all turns out we were murderers, then this country's <laughs> in a bit of a bad state, isn't it? Because honestly, yeah. a hip flask <clears throat> is not really that weird of a present. Well, I don't... It's not appropriate, but it's not like he gave him a pregnancy test or something, <laughs> is it? It's not like a, a bank robbing mask mm. or a pogo stick. And Gail's not the sharpest uh, tool in the box, is she? But... Well, something, something uh, they're all, yeah, sparked they're, in her brain. They're all intrigued this. by this. Audrey and Sam don't care. They're going on their trip. And Gail sees this hip flask and he says, this is a bit stingy, isn't it? Why is he being so tight and buying weird stuff? I thought this was funny too because they're assuming it's not made of silver, which it could very well. That, that hip flask could cost quite a lot, yeah. hundreds of pounds, very depending true. on where you buy it, buying it from. And if I, if, honestly, if a rich guy bought me a hip flask, I'd assume it was expensive. Yeah, I'd also, I think uh, being David, if I were David, I'd also be like, you can make it out whatever you want, but 
why, why do I want a hip flask? Yeah, I know. But how many times have you ever been given something really wildly inappropriate for you yeah, yeah, by a true, distant relative? Yes, yeah, yeah, I know that is very true. Or, or, even, <laughs> or even close relatives sometimes. But yes, <laughs> absolutely right. And, uh, and it certainly is enough to um, make Gail go, hmm, ah, something going on here. Flask. I used to be quite a smart character. Maybe I have an idea for me. But she still doesn't know because she doesn't know about Elaine's yet, does she? No. Steve, am I reading this? Yes. <laughs> we haven't, it's not been we that to, long. Since. Sorry, we had to break. We, we did just... Break. Break. Stephen comes into the pub uh, for another go at Jenny. And she says, <laughs> I'm busy. Why don't you ask Elaine? And he says, we're just friends, honestly. Jenny's not interested. Carla's doing a spreadsheet in the pub for some reason. And Stephen comes over and tells her, that she's put all everything wrong. That didn't go anywhere, did it? It seems like maybe it's just going to be another way for him to get another get his job back at the factory again. Carly going, oh yeah, that's right. Remember that time he told me I was doing my spreadsheet wrong. I will definitely employ him. And why was she doing her spreadsheet there? Why would she be getting her spreadsheets wrong when this is literally her bread and butter? I don't, I don't really get that. I don't think this is what's going on. But wouldn't it be interesting if there was some kind of very, very early mental like onset early dementia oh, for Carla? Carla. She's already oh, new story for twenty twenty three. She's already not. She already needs, apparently, Jacob to go on a phone <laughs> call with her and hold yeah. her little hand. And now she's doing spreadsheets wrong and and not putting in gross profits or something. And you could be right. Refusing to put in... Save it for your predictions podcast in the new oh, year. Oh, yeah, I will do. Okay. Um, later on, Gail's chatting to Elaine in the bistro and she orders a bottle of Canadian whiskey for Stephen and tells Gail about this hip flask. And then Gail talks to Nick and says, how come he's buying crappy hip flasks if he's if he's so loaded? I remember. Do you remember that well, thing? Also, it's also like, it's not just why is he, but, but hang on a minute, has he re-gifted this hip flask? Because apparently Elaine got him a hip flask. Mm. So I, I said, yeah, well, so something's definitely going on here. Why, why would you do this if he's loaded? And also I remember she says that Six Fellas call a few weeks ago, does Stephen owe them money or something? Something's going on here. So Gail is walking along the road and she sees Elaine giving Stephen this bottle for his hip flask. And Gail says, I've been speaking to Gabrielle. I want to know what's going on. Yeah, that came as a bit of a, a bit of a cliffhanger, didn't it? A bit of a twist because we didn't see this conversation between Gail and uh, Gabrielle. So for her to come out with it was quite, ooh, quite exciting but for she, me. But I know, I know why she talks about this in front of Elaine. For story purposes, but in real life, this is such a crappy thing to do to your brother at Christmas. <laughs> like publicly, um, what's the word? Shaming and humiliating Shaming and outing him as a skin things and embarrassing him in front of his friend. Mm. So she says, um, yeah, she takes him inside, doesn't she? No. She oh yeah, says, actually, yeah. Get Elaine is there as well, yeah. isn't she? You're right because she's, she's like, there in the kitchen, yeah. going, "Oh, I've got no secret about Stephen." Shall I say anything? Girl saying, "Did you did you steal money off the company and and run off a load of debts?" And he's like, "Well, it's complicated. It's not exactly what happened." And Elaine's like, "Stephen's being coercively controlled by Gabrielle," and I'd forgot he'd he'd laid. Yeah, I had as well. But that's part of the problem with this story, story isn't it? They they they're making these things happen and then going cold for a few weeks, and we have to remember all the details i'm getting I'm, <coughs> I'm getting talk about carla getting it i think i'm getting it as well myself i'm gonna be doing my spreadsheets all wrong don't I've trust had, the results of this year's conversation straight awards i tell you i've had years of this <laughs> so stephen goes along with agreeing that he's being controlled by 
Gabrielle and Gail's falling for it hook, hook line sinker because Elaine is very earnest and um uh what's the word convincing about this isn't she yeah um now Tim warns her later Elaine that she should not fall in love with the first person she sees because he's worried well that's what's happening with her yeah. and Stephen so Gail goes back to number eight with Stephen later and he um <clears throat> he's saying oh I'm so relieved that you know that um about this abuse I feel like such a fool I've put up with it so long and then Gail's like hang on no wait a minute because there was that thing about Grasmere Drive did you have anything to do with that the estate agent going around to value the property he's like no I would never I've got a conscience I would not do that to my mother I am the victim here and then Gail's like but I thought I thought Gabrielle took all your money how how have you got money to invest in in Sarah's business and, and to, to send mum and Sam off on a cruise. And he's like, I used the last bit of money I had left. How dare you question me? And Gail's like, oh, we've got to go to the police then. That's the sort of thing you do if you're being coercively controlled and abused financially. And Stephen says, no, no, I really tried. It's not going to help. Keep your mouth shut about it. Don't tell anybody. And Audrey comes in and, and she says... That Gail's told her to come over because they need to desperately talk about Stephen, and then Gail realizes that she, she that Stephen doesn't want her to say this to Audrey. I don't know why she ever thought this was a good idea. So she swerves it and says, "Oh no, it wasn't so much about Stephen. It was about we're going to miss you when you go on a cruise." Well, yeah, she she'd summoned Audrey as soon as she'd had that conversation with Gabrielle, I guess. So she was oh. thinking the worst of Stephen, and we need to we need Mum to know about this. Well, especially considering that she she suspected him about Grasmere Drive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But now she thinks she knows all the truth. Is she needs to keep it quiet? Yeah. So she agrees to keep mum to mum. <laughs> and Audrey just kind of uh, believes them when they say they're going to miss her. <laughs> Which is a bit of a mean thing to lie to mum about. <laughs> Stephen's on the phone later at Gabrielle shouting at her. And she's like, ha 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 ha, what are you going to do about it? And he gets really serious with her and he's like threatening her and things. And then he puts the phone down uh, when he gets to number eight and to wave goodbye to Audrey and Sam. And Gail's like... Oh, I don't like lying to my mum. And Stephen says, no one needs to know. He's turning into Batman, isn't he, now? He ends up <laughs> your, in... The, your version. My of version of Batman. Um, he ends up in the pub with Elaine later. And she says, can I talk to you, please? I really like you. And he's like, sounds good so far. <laughs> and then he said, she says, about that money... I don't think it's a good idea to lend it to you. The, the, the money that he's going to be investing in Sarah's business. I don't want to risk um, spoiling things between yeah. us. And he's like, great. <laughs> it's okay. I don't mind at all. And, I'm not and, just in this for the money. And that was the end of that. Yeah, so Stephen's funds have now been have been pulled. So he's um, he's back to the... I forgot what the word Back to back to ground zero with it, you know. He's he's like, what's he going to do now? Because Sarah and Adam have gone off to Scotland for for Christmas, haven't they? So they're going to come back expecting Stephen to be giving them this cash, but he he hasn't got any anymore. So he's going to have to set his sights somewhere else. So it feels like um, Jenny could well be next person on his list. Although it seems like already as this week was going on, he he was trying to cozy up to her, wasn't he? Yeah. But I, which I found odd because up until this point, Elaine had been his cash source, 
But he wasn't. He didn't want anything to do with her, did he? Like she was the one that was doing all the running and invited him around for Christmas and everything. And he was like, "Oh well, if if I must, surely his plan should be to, you know, cozy Keep right her up to her." Keep, yeah, exactly. No, until think, until the, she signs on the dotted line and giving him all this cash over. I think he thought he's got it in the bag. He doesn't need. He's he's milked that cow. Now it's time to go to new pastures, new. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like Jenny is going to be his next target. Whether that's his next target for murdering, I don't know. Presumably not. I mean, well, I, I mean, think we could afford to lose Elaine in this storyline, oh, but I no. don't. I don't think we're going to be seeing Jenny uh, saying goodbye to her anytime soon. Well, he he fancies Jenny. He doesn't fancy Elaine, does he? He just wants her money. Yeah. I, yeah, it was odd. I thought it was a bit odd that Jenny is now maybe fancying Stephen again because she obviously fancied him enough to give him that snog a few months ago but I never thought that there was anything you know genuine there that she feels like she wants to try again with him I think it felt a little bit convenient for plot that she's showing an interest in him again don't you think Mm. but anyway I guess that he's going to be um yeah he's going to be doubling down on his wooing of Jenny Connor soon now interestingly we saw Gabrielle on the other end of the phone in a car in a very nondescript... Well, yeah, non- in, in the rain as well. You couldn't rain, see where she was. In a very non-specific place. Mm. And it makes me wonder if she's actually in the country. Well, she was supposed to have gone back to Milan, yes. wasn't she, at this point? <clears throat> it doesn't rain in Italy at this no, time No, it never rains in Italy. So, so I wonder whether she's there. I think she's going to make a surprise appearance in, in New Year's Eve. Do you reckon? Yes. Do you reckon Elaine or... Well, or- she's... I I hope that either Elaine or Gabrielle or somebody fall foul off. of Stephen because I my theory now is that you know he didn't get this roof box for no reason I I honestly think that there's going to be a corpse in the roof box of Audrey's car before the year is out. Well, G- Gabrielle and Elaine are both both very petite ladies. I think that they could fit in a roof box. Yeah, he could he could crumple them up in there if uh, if Jeff could get Yasmin inside his magic box. I'm yeah. sure that one of those two could uh, could end up in the roof box. Why not? And and I don't know how long Audrey's supposed to be away on this cruise, but presumably it's only going to be a week or so because Sam's got to go back to school in the first week this of January. This is Coronation Street. Yeah, I know, but I I think that they're usually quite good with with school holidays at least, and we don't want Audrey fine, do we? So well, I think that they've built that into the budget. I just think it'd be brilliant to have Audrey driving her car around with the body of either Gabrielle or Elaine or somebody in the room. Oh my roof. god, that would be amazing. <laughs> just imagine, because it it was a stupid present for her to get. Cause, like I can't remember who it was that pointed out the fact that Stephen doesn't have a car at the moment. Why on earth would she get a roof box? Well, can I, I don't think it's there for no reason. Can I just defend Stephen here then? He's being maligned for giving David a, a hip flask. <laughs> That's true. I just think the plats are... Sh- Oh, rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that wonky duck there nearly had a slip of the tongue I for you. I think the plats are rubbish at gifts. Yeah. I mean, if only Stephen hadn't seen this um, roof box, he maybe could have re-gifted that to David because at least he could have made some use of it, I suppose. I think David would remember. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so I, <coughs> I, 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 I think and hope that something is going to be happening um, very soon there. Um, and now Gail's on it. It's like... I think if I'm Stephen, I'm still not sweating too much because Gail being on to me is not... You no, know... it's like amateur detective hour, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I'd like to think that maybe this could be a bit more of a serious storyline for Gail, but I, I honestly, I don't right, think she's, she's capable anymore. 
I think it's going to be a bit silly if How she rude. starts getting a bit serious. I, I don't think that she's capable of, of doing a serious storyline anymore. It's very, very sad. But she has been in the past, who knows? Anyway, that's quite exciting stuff. You just Watch mean out, the character, Jenny. though, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Helen Worth is a very talented actress. Yeah, she, she is, but I... I, I, I okay, don't say, say too much. I'd say what I want. I haven't even had any more wonky duck. So um, back to back to the the final few stories. We've got the Jacob's dadder story, um, which was you know Christmas Eve only really. So um, Jamin's trying to sweet talk Leanne into accepting Jacob on the team at the bistro, and he's like, "Oh, I just want to be a good dad to him, and how can find a job and everything." And Leanne says, "Fine, but if he steps out of line, it's all over." Um, Jacob then gets a load of money from Damon for spending on Christmas presents because Damon's got says that he should get him something better than a bottle of perfume for Christmas. Um, no, Jacob tells Yeah, Jacob says to Damon, Damon tells Jacob Yeah, Jacob Damon says tells I've, Jacob, buy your girl something better than this. Yeah, he says Here's a load of money. Da- Jacob's really impressed with the fact that he's really proud of himself that he's got Amy a box of perfume, a bottle of perfume, and Damon's like, No, no, that's just the starter present. Yeah, just can't understand. I, I just, I'd be on Jacob's side. It's like, yeah, she said she wanted something, and I've got her it for Amy. But apparently, that's not good enough. So he says, "Here's a load of cash." He gives him what five hundred pounds or so, yeah. doesn't he, to go buy an Amy a handbag and, and various other presents. And so we return from the shops later with with a handbag for Amy and a massive wooden chessboard for Sam, which um, he pretends he got out of his attic. It seems rather new, and if it's like a, wasn't it supposed to be something for a world championship? It seems like the sort of thing that they'd re-release new versions of every year, and Sam wouldn't fall for it. But anyway, the idea behind that is just to get into Leanne's good books to show that he's not such a bad egg, bad egg after all. He's not such a bad egg. But not not a bad egg, no. Um, and Leanne says to Nicole, "It's a good start, I suppose." Amy loves the bag, um, and but but Nick isn't isn't happy with this because he knows that Sam. Sam's chessboard was just that, that Jacob bought it and he's just trying to curry Leanne's favour and Nick says I don't like tricks I don't believe that at all um, and the scene ends with Jacob very happy with his dad for making everything great and, um, and he's like oh what's next for us now what adventures shall we get up to now dad and me and, and, and Damon just ends the scene with an enigmatic smile so that's that's basically it. We kind of ended with Jacob, uh, with Damon having wormed himself into into the bistro and, and, and all that, really. I assume you've not got anything more to add to that because no. it was just the tail end of last week's story, as was the uh, the May Your Days Be Merry and Bride story. So, Gemma, what happened there? Um, Friday, it's Friday's episode, so yes. it's um, pretend Christmas Eve. Yes. And Mary thought that they were going to do caroling, her and Glenda, but she can't because she's got to work. So uh, Mary's upset. She's, she's got to go and do her thing on the Get Britain singing on ITV3 tomorrow, is so. it? Yeah. Brian arranges to have dinner with Alex in the bistro and Mary comes in and says, can you jo- can you go caroling? And, um, oh no, it's a clash of, of schedules. At the bistro, the, Alex senses that Brian's in a rush and uh, he Brian admits that he's supposed to be caroling and then Alex says, you go and carol, like, I'll do you a solid, I'm your wingman. <laughs> So there's a fist bump with them, doesn't they? Mary's sadly cool. singing outside number nine, and Brian comes and joins her, and they sing together, and then they end the episode coming into the Rovers to have a little sing song. Yes, and they're dressed up in cool Victorian, Victorian garb, Scroogey kind of yeah. 
That was quite nice, I suppose. I'm surprised it didn't go anywhere. It kind of was leading into, is there going to be some sort of Christmas passion between Mary and Brian? But I suppose that was all tied up with Fizz and Tyrone and Daniel and uh, Daniel and Daisy. So I guess that's I the story it. for the new year. It was, it was sweet. I thought it was nice with, when Mary was singing all sadly and then Brian comes and, uh, and, and then they join in with gusto there. And we got to see a, a, a rare appearance from Alex as well, what, making his third, fourth appearance on Coronation Street this year, maybe. Um, so I guess that's nice if you're an Alex fan um I, I shrug at that um and that's basically it and everything else was just what did the other characters get up to on Christmas day including Zidane's back Gemma have you missed him I didn't know he went <laughs> I think that was generally the feeling that nobody realizes he actually went anywhere but apparently and I did a little bit of research on his last appearance he on the 4th of November was um, summoned to London or one of his mates came along and oh. said, do you want to come and cook with me in London? Oh, I remember that vaguely now. I don't even remember that. Sorry, Zidane. So I remember thinking, why? But yeah, so when he when he t- sort of put his face around the door on the Christmas Day episode, I was just kind of left a bit confused by that. But it, it was still a lovely happy scene and, he, and Zidane was actually smiling in it. So That's there's, there's a there. rare appearance and, and Yasmin being very excited was lovely. And... Um, yeah, but apparently he's just back for a flying visit. and um, What's going on there then? I don't know. Has Zidane left Coronation Street? I is, literally is Zidane, don't know. Is Zidane quiet quitting Coronation Street? Oh yeah, maybe he is, yeah. So I don't know what's going on there. And um, we also find out over dinner that Yasmin and Stu are going to be delivering food for the homeless on Christmas Day. Very charitable. Sally says to Tim, oh, we should do that sometime. They did actually, Sally did have a Christmas day at a soup kitchen about seven or eight years ago, didn't she? When Maddie um, got the trifle over her. But, oh, well, I guess she's she's forgotten forgotten that. And we also had um, Tim getting his jacket back. So that's the end of um, that epic saga there. Um, Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. You get to see Alfie. Yes, Alfie. We got our first proper look at the little chubby cherub, didn't we? As he was opening his Christmas present. That was nice. The Browns all got a load of... um, drums for Christmas. I'm sure there were still only three quads that made uh, that showed their faces on the Christmas Day episode, so I don't know where the fourth one was, but they've all got drums and uh, and Joe, I thought it was nice that Joseph got his trainers, because that's what the, the story at the beginning of the year was all about, wasn't it? Him wanting some cool new trainers, and he got a nice blue pair, so that right, was lovely. they're still the ones he wanted. Yeah. Speaking of um, of seeing babies, we also got a, a, a shot of Glory, didn't we, on the floor with Aggie over at number three. Lovely stuff. She won't have a, uh, a tipple before work because she's a very responsible nurse. And um, She don't want to kill again. Uh, no. <laughs> and um, and Roy's got a mobile phone <laughs> from Nina for Christmas. Yay. Like, clearly a second-hand one because it's got a case in it and it's not in a box. Well, she didn't really want it, but then no, by I... the end of the day, he's using it to take a photo of... Up his Fizz nose. Tyrone, yeah. <laughs> he, I love Roy's Roy's uh, expression. He's kind of uh, looks off clearly, utterly like I do not want this present. I know. <laughs> but he doesn't quite know how to tell them. But anyway, so that's quite interesting that he's finally joined us in the twenty first century. It's weird though and, uh, because I would it. have thought that if any character would have been the first one to get a mobile phone, it would have been him. Like with his nerdy, like oh, I don't think he's technology. nerdy in that way. No, but, but sometimes he is. He's, he likes his... If it was a steam-powered mobile phone, maybe oh, you'd have been right. up for that. You're right. But I think if it's anything uh, electronic uh, and, and, and computer, he, he's not, it's not his bag, baby. So that was the end of the Christmas weekend worth. So it's not even a week. It's just like, the last three episodes that we've seen. But as a Christmas Eve, Christmas Day and Boxing Day offering, um, what's, your, what's your overall reflections on it? 
we said at the beginning wanted a bit a bit of a a twist or a surprise or a shock or something. You still sticking by that? Um, I I I think it was good. It was a good week. I, f- I thought it was a, a fairly decent Christmas. I don't feel like I can really judge it properly because I'm not all that bothered about Tyrone and Fizz getting married. Um, but if you like the characters, that was probably quite nice. Um, it was just it just felt very safe. Yeah, you're right. Safe and pleasant. Yeah. Um, which is fine. And, and, and people have, I've seen online saying, oh, Coronation Street shouldn't be all doom and gloom at Christmas. And people are saying, no, it should be doom and gloom at Christmas. I just feel like there should have been something that was a bit of a, it's Christmas, so we're going to drop a bombshell of sorts. And, and there wasn't one. Yeah, I'm, you're right, though. It's a bit disappointing from that perspective. Mm. But from a heart-warping, heart-warping, heart-warming side of things, it was fine. I just couldn't be couldn't be doing with old Chris Pringle. Thought that was taking it a step too far. To be I honest, I thought the funny, uh, the thought George with the sofa was funny. Yeah, okay. it's fine. It it was it was fine. I um, that's all. That's what that's the best I'm going to say to it. Coronation Street. It was a fine Christmas three episodes. I think ranking them or judging them, giving them a score. I'm going to go with you know it's Christmas, so I'm feeling generous. I'm gonna give it um, three and a half, uh, three and a half deviled eggs for Nick. <laughs> that of, was really funny. It was who was it? Shona and, and Shona and David are gonna be like, force feeding him deviled eggs because apparently he said he, likes he liked them. them once, and yeah. now they have to make a dozen for him every time he comes out. I do. I like deviled eggs as well. Really, really like them. I'm gonna give it three and a half as well because it really is a three, <laughs> but it's Christmas, so it's three and a half. I'm surprised you didn't give him an extra mark for Fizz and Tyrone getting married. Oh no, maybe that's what it was for. Oh, he well, knows what my extra half is for. Three and a half giant festive boobs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Um, character of the week for me. Oh, it's difficult. Sorry, there it's was not 70, Chris Pringle. How many yeah, 67, we've got 67 people? Plus to choose from here. It's, um... And Chris Pringle wasn't even one of them. No, no, exactly. Um, I, I think maybe. Um, it was nice seeing Evelyn back, yeah. although she's only made like, a very brief appearance. I don't know whether character of the week, it's not even a week we're talking about here. It's a character of the weekend, really. Well, it was it? three, still three episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, Stephen was getting a bit more interesting. Um, I'm not still, convinced by I'm girls still not totally work. convinced by his, you know, or his villainy. I, I need to, I need him to step it up a game and step up his game a bit. I think I'm going to say, um, I am going to give my character of the week. To the lovely Fez, just because I thought she looked very uh, nice in her dress, and she was very, you know, she, uh, she, 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 she made it to the Christmas wedding and time, and that was about it, really. I don't get any other reasons, but I just like Fez, and it's Christmas. What about you? I am going to give mine to the character. I don't know what I'm doing here. Um. I don't really know. Is it Tyrone, Gemma? It's not Tyrone. Please tell me it's Tyrone. Just... Is it Daniel Osborne? No. <laughs> Honestly. Uh, is it Elaine? It, I'm gonna, is it Alex? I'm going to give it to Evelyn. Okay. Because I did. I was really happy to see her back on, on Christmas Day. I thought that was nice. And she was. She had some funny lines still. Everything that she had to do, she did very well. Yeah, and it's always nice to see her. And she's very funny. Well, there we go then. And that is the end of this week's Street Talk. And um, we have got plenty more Coronation Street to come this week. But um, I think it's going to be 
I think it's going to be 2023 by the time we get to talk about what's happening next next yeah, time in sorry. Coronation Street. But that's not the end of the podcast. We have got a little bit of news. We've got a little bit of feedback. So let's move on to that bit. All right, we have got some Christmas news for you in the cabin. And this is all, you know, hot off the press news over the last few days. But the um, Christmas Day ratings are in. And I think we need to start off with this to see uh, how Corrie fared amongst um, the other festive offerings on the other channels this uh, this Christmas. Um, not so well this year. Almost out of the top ten, which I don't know. I wonder if they've ever not been in the top ten on Christmas Day, or at least since they started doing Christmas episodes. But um, number nine, Coronation Street, came in the overnights with 2.85 million viewers. Gemma, what do you think about that? Um, I don't... I never really care about... I don't understand why everyone talks about it so much it's not I don't care I don't need to worry about it I'm I, I know what you mean I I think I've stopped caring but I think one of the reasons I've stopped caring is it's clear that things are in a bit of a de- decline ratings wise and it's probably for the I best and it's less depressing if you just forget a, about them everything's in a decline ratings wise I don't what is no, there is literally no point comparing Coronation Street in any previous year to to this year Unless you're gonna look at everything in comparison, because nothing's getting figures like it used to. Nothing. It's not. Nothing but on I suppose it's, it's, so it's more about the place that it is in the top ten, which isn't great. I mean, I Coronation Street's figures were down on last year. They got three point something last Christmas. EastEnders has gone up. I mean, they're only at number eight. But um, for the first time since 2009, EastEnders did was the the top most viewed soap on Christmas Day this year. They got 3.17 million. Um, Emmerdale isn't in the top 10. I, th- I think they just snuck underneath their 2 point something. Um, I suppose it's not a mega surprise, though. We, we've been talking a bit about this since it happened, but EastEnders Christmas Day did feel like it was a proper event, didn't it? EastEnders went for the, you know, the dramatic drama, shocking... Spectacular, stunty. as I understand it, has always been very grim at Christmas anyway. Yeah, I mean, Coronation Street has... It's only really said, done one some, stunt Sometimes does Christmas. it, yeah. But the EastEnders' big thing this year was they had... Um, well, I, mean, I, I watched the scenes and they were very good. And it was um, it was the it was the end of Danny Dyer. He, oh, he's not. He should have been a special guest at the beginning of the podcast this what this uh, this uh, evening. But no, he um, he is gone, isn't he? The character of Mick Mick, Mick Carter. I'm going to say is that his name? Um, he yeah he 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 went over a cliff, but not in a good way. Like Billy, he um he. I oh, know actually no, he did survive his cliff jump. So the story was, as far as I could tell, there were these two women who drove a car over a cliff and they were having a bit of a barney with each other in the car. And then Mick, because he's so heroic, jumps over the cliff into the sea um, and, they, and, he, and he saves one of the women. I'm going to guess maybe it's his bird. Um, and then he goes back into the ocean to go and save the other one, who's maybe his enemy. Um, and the other one manages to rescue herself from the car. She don't need no man. And 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 Danny Dyer's character doesn't come back again. So it's He's been left a little bit off. of a mystery. Is it? He has a bit of a Pat Phelan moment. So I was um, I'm wondering whether he was going to end up in a B and B in Wales or something like uh, like Pat did. But anyway, yeah, it was it was a massive spectacular episode. And I'm wondering whether it's a combination of kind of word of mouth, like, you know, this is Danny Dyer's last episode of EastEnders, coupled with the fact that it's on BBC, which generally gets the higher viewing figures on Christmas Day anyway, um, that that made it go above. I mean, Coronation Street was on the front of all of the TV magazines, so it wasn't like 
Um, they didn't push it hard. But the story was, oh, look, it's Tyrone and Fizz's wedding. Isn't that lovely? And I don't necessarily think that that's going to have people reaching there for their remotes to flick over to Channel 3, you know? BBC did much better all the way through the whole day than ITV. Yeah, I mean, the only other ITV programme <clears throat> that did better than Coronation Street was Doc Martin, um, which got 3.26 million viewers. And I think that was that the, the final... Fi final episode of Doc Martin. That's it. It's been going on for bloody decades now. Um, but yeah, do we, even like the, the, the message from the king, the, the king's speech. The that, first one. Yeah, that got 8 million viewers on BBC, that but only 1.6 on ITV one. The biggest uh, numbers for a, a monarch speech for a long time. Oh, was it? Well, I we watched know. it. Yeah, well, we did. We had to see his first one, didn't we? And then there was just a massive jump down. He Strictly Come Dancing was at number two. Michael McIntyre's Christmas Wheel at number three. So... Um, I feel bad for Coronation Street in a way that the viewing figures were down, but like you said, it's it's no big deal. And I, do, I wonder if Coronation Street was going to do something more spectacular, would it have made a difference? I don't I genuinely really know. Think, I genuinely think if they'd had a stunt or something, it would have been higher. Mm. It's interesting that like we were talking about what a good Christmas Day episode of a show, soap should be, and should it be something that extra family members who don't usually watch it but are kind of forced to watch it have to understand but like at 2.85 million viewers that's that's a slightly lower than a normal episode would get so it seems that if there were extra relatives that were tuning in because they had to there were also an awful lot of regular viewers that didn't tune in to watch it live no. so so yeah I, I wonder what coronation street thinks of that and will it make any difference to next year probably not but um, anyway, that's that's that. Um, well, I said to you that I thought that the episode was felt like very written, like it's very understandable. Yeah, because we you didn't watch it before. I I made everybody at our Christmas get together stop watching. What had we been watching? Glass Onion. Oh yeah, we were watching the Knives Out film. Well, I don't understand that. But we made I made everybody stop that so that your mum and dad could sit through Coronation Street, and even they seemed to be following well, they it. Watched, didn't they? Was, they watched it properly. They yeah. weren't. They were falling asleep through some parts of the day. <laughs> so was I. Yeah, I think we all were. <coughs> so, um, yeah, they were watching it and they, they could understand what was going on. And I wonder, you know, with the other soaps or the people who weren't usual regular watchers. I suppose if somebody's driving over a cliff, you don't really need to understand it, though, do you? You just get caught up in the excitement of it. Yeah. I don't know. Um, anyway, speaking of um, Strictly Come Dancing, congratulations to Ali Mardell. Coronation Street alumnus who played um, Emma Brooker because she only went and gone and won, done and won it. Right. We didn't watch it. I've not even seen a video clip of this, but um, <coughs> she was quick stepping to sleigh ride dressed up as an antler. Uh, an antler? As, as an antler attached to a reindeer. <laughs> and uh, apparently she did rather well. So congratulations to her. And um, good job. Also, good job, I have to say. And this wasn't a Christmas Day thing, this was Christmas Eve. The Brit Britain Get Singing programme, which we talked about. Um, you know, previewing in the last couple of weeks on the on the podcast. So this was um, this was the, the the mental health charity raising money hashtag speak and save etc etc thing this, that ITV this, were doing. You? I didn't. I mean, I, I watched the clip. I didn't watch the whole thing. Apparently, the winners of this were the loose women girls. But um, I they did have to have done pretty well to beat Coronation Street. To be fair, because the team copy were bloody brilliant. It had um, it started off I think with with Shanique Sterling Brown. She's got an awful, awesome set of pipes on her. And Dan Brocklebank, we know, is a great singer. Um, Jodie Prenger, she was giving it some welly, I tell you. They're awesome. We also had, um, we had uh, Sue Devaney, very, very good. 
Um, Rob Mallard, a bit of a surprising talent, that one. He just got a couple of lines in there. Um, Mike Lavelle was there as well, and he, he didn't have any solo lines to sing, but it was nice to see him kind of joining in. And actually, he was a bit of a star of the, the little pre... Um, performance video because they like showed here's everybody getting ready to rehearse and and he was getting all a bit overwhelmed by the whole thing and getting really nervous and saying Aww. oh you know I usually I do my acting job and that's nervous enough and now I'm getting up on stage singing and and there was a lovely little shot of him and um Sue Devaney who plays his sister Debbie um sitting on one of the benches outside the Coronation Street studios and he was kind of opening up to her about how nervous he was and everything it was very very sweet but no Coronation Street did brilliantly they they sang um this is me from the greatest showman which is a bit of a favorite of um the general public i believe and um yeah very 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 good if you haven't seen that and i'm including you in this Gemma, you should you should get and watch that um finally um we have got i guess a congratulations to um ellie mulvaney because it has been announced by her that she has got a new fella and it's an ex-curry person she's going out now with liam skulls who played um eli higginson one of the naughty boys who was hanging around naughty, with naughty. um with, with with the beta operas last year. And um yeah, so they, they they came out as going out on Instagram this past week. So isn't that lovely? Good for them. Will we get a, re- a reappearance from Eli on the street because of this? Dunno. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I don't Shall know. we do feedback? Yes, that's it for Christmassy news. But feedback we do have time. some Christmassy feedback, so here it comes. Christmassy feedback time. Gemma, how did the people on the Facebook poll vote about last week's Coronation Street, please? They liked it. They did like it, didn't they? They gave it 4.14. Yeah. Now, this is Monday, Wednesday and Fridays from last week. So we scored, I think I gave it like a three last week. You gave it three and a half, but that didn't include the Christmas Eve kind of episode, um, which I did actually enjoy. And I think it would have moved my... um, it would have raised my score up a little bit but yeah 4.14 that went down very well Jared gave it four and a half dodgy explosives Jared? yes Jared that's what I said okay I totally said that Rebecca gave it four and a half Spice Girls vows that Tyrone should use out of five and Jonathan gave it four Chesterfields that will make the rest of Eileen's stuff look like tat out of five it really really did Um, well actually it didn't because it was tiny it would have done does the rest of our lounge look like tat now we've got a nice new sofa in there? One of our, the, the sofa that's left now just looks tragic. That already looked fairly tatty, but it, yeah. it does look pretty awful now. Anyway, uh, on to some feedback. And we got a nice message from Sherry this week, who said that she sat down tonight after what seemed like months of meetings, planes, shopping and so on, to relax with wine, cheese and your lovely podcast. Mm. Initially, I was surprised as you both sounded uh, as how you had both sounded so ill. So much so that I felt bad just listening. Oh, no. But our podcast tonight was just what she needed, apparently. And she says, thank you for all you do. I'm wishing the healthiest and happiest of the season. Sorry. This is almost better. I, I'm um, pretty much better. Sorry, I was coughing a bit. I Gemma's feel much better. I've still got a bit of a normal. cough. Yeah. We never, we're never allowed to stop, Sherry. Don't be surprised. No, no illness can stop us. No. Let's wait and see. So anyway, thank you for your I'm for glad your that, well, we message. do That's why we do it, isn't it? We can't miss a week. No, oh, exactly. Cannot. Chris says, thanks for reading out... Oh, this is a good one. (laughs) Thanks for reading out and discussing my somewhat lengthy, unpopular opinions and or things Corey shouldn't do email last week. But here's a slightly lighter, briefer offering. On Friday, I was travelling on a busy train between London and Liverpool with a recent podcast of yours in my earphones. I was listening with my eyes closed for a couple of hours and I'd forgotten where I was. So I was startled 
So I startled the strangers occupying the seats around me when, surprised but thrilled by the sudden unexpected appearance of Summer's robot, I punched the eyes... Punched the air. <laughs> punched the eyes. <laughs> I punched the air and shouted, Yes! I opened my eyes to see two, teenage, two teenagers laughing at me and an old lady trying to mop up the tea she'd spilled as a result of my starting <laughs> outburst. And that's why we can't have Summer's robot appear on the podcast too often. Because of the carnage. That it, just imagine if you'd have been driving at that point. Imagine you'd if you'd been you'd driving have gone the off train. A yeah. <laughs> For the record, I agree with him and I prefer the old summer too. <laughs> Thanks very much. Thank you. And thank you to all the people who enjoyed my lovely festive picture of Summer's Robot that we put on the yeah, social media on funny. Christmas Day as well. Um, Every so often we'll be in this front room and you'll suddenly get this look on your face and then you'll be furiously tapping and clicking away on your laptop and then you'll present, present me with some hilarious... That I've made. Photoshop thing that you've done, which is very good. Um, right, thank you very much for that. Um, Nancy, here's her thoughts on last week's Coronation Street. She says it was interesting the way that Damon showed up. I didn't get the idea he was a gangster, though. He sounded like he was a legitimate businessman until he wanted Jacob to work at the bistro, that is. I just can't believe that Nick could allow all this and keep Leanne from finding out where he got his money from. Are they going to break up over it? If it goes wrong, I wanted them to get married. Um, I liked seeing the twist in the Max storyline, so I guess this is the bomb stuff. Griff didn't expect something to go wrong, um, and I think Max is now going to have a bit of a dilemma because of the bomb that he saw. I loved how Spider told Sawyer his secret, but I think that she is smart enough to go back with Spider. Is that really a smart thing to do? I don't know. I'm happy with it. Um, Nancy says that she can relate to what's happening with Daisy, um, and she was glad that there was nothing in the lump. Daniel needs to prove himself to her now, though, because she loves them as a couple, and Daisy also looked great as an elf. I love the comedy with the George and Eileen story. I love that Glenda, Sean, Todd and Lawrence are involved, and I'm expecting something hilarious to happen. Um, I hope the summer is not at Esther and Mike's house. Yeah, that's a thing. Oh, is it? Oh, that's another thing that could have happened, isn't there? Like, as a, as a surprising twist at the end of the Christmas Day episode, having, like, just cutting to summer holed up in Esther and Mike's basement or something. Yes, I was... Just something like that. Do you think that. that they've kept all the darkness for New Year's Eve? I wonder. I, I kind of hope so, because um, it gives us something to look forward to for the end of the week. But there was, a, yeah, a surprising lack of summer. I mean, we I don't think we saw any Billy, actually, on Christmas Day either, did we? He was obviously far too busy for once doing some proper archdeaconing work on, uh, on, the, on the day to celebrate the birth of our saviour. But, he, yeah, I would, we, we saw Todd... Nobody seems really worried about where Summer is now because she sent them that text uh, last week. Odd. Anyway, um, Nancy continues, I give this week's episode three bottles of fizz out of five. Character of the week is Spider. But a shout out to Daisy too. And finally, Gemma, we have got an email from Rebecca for you to read. Rebecca says, um, Merry Christmas. I hope you had a good day. What two good episodes we had, some of the best in a long while. I think Damon is a great addition, and even though the Harvey and Damon brother link was, for some people, hard to swallow, I personally was shocked when I heard it, despite now realising Kieran and Will do look kind of alike. Jacob really needs to tell Amy soon before she finds out from someone else. Jacob is running two jobs at the moment, so he hasn't quite given up Underworld yet, but I have a feeling it won't be long before he does. I'm also thinking Damon might have his eyes on the lady of the street, Glenda, or maybe even Jenny. Well, Glenda was having her eyes on Damon a little bit, and I thought it, they were kind of played it as if she's kind of punching a little bit. But, um, well, he'd I, be lucky. <laughs> he would, he would be lucky. I'm glad... Maybe, maybe we get to see um, Damon and Stephen fighting for Jenny's affections. Oh, that'd be interesting. <laughs> 
I'm glad we got to see the racist camping trip. It even got a shout out from David in Wednesday's episode. David needs to come down hard on Max before he gets seriously hurt. I was shocked when I saw the bomb, even though I knew Max and Griff would be okay. I thought Reese might be killed off. I'm also glad that Spider finally told the truth to Toya, but will she believe him? Although you were right, Spider was talking to his boss in the middle of the street where anyone can hear him. I'm on Michael's side. Daisy and Daniel are too cute, but he needs to learn to be supportive of her. I'm so glad she seems to be okay. Daniel did propose to Bethany, but I don't think the ring he's giving Daisy was Sinead's. And I love the whole sexy elf carry on in Monday's episode. <laughs> I'm also not bothered if David if Daniel goes back to teaching just as long as he manages to get another job soon. I didn't even mind the silly George Eileen story with the sofa and I loved Glenda t- telling the group that George has got her an urn for her 40th birthday. Typical George. I also think Gemma is onto something with the sofa is a small sofa. I'm convinced there is something happening between Todd and Lawrence. Both are acting very shifty. Maybe a Christmas Day confession. Nope. Finally, again, I repeat, Tyrone, don't tell the bride. It's not a good idea. Although I think the cottage would have been a good idea for a honeymoon. I love hope, black men in tie with chocolate. Character of the week is Jacob. And I'll give the week four Spice Girls vows that Tyrone should use out of five. Thank you very much. And that is the end of this week's podcast. Right. One of them anyway, because hopefully we're going to be doing our awards show later this week. Thank you everybody who voted in the Conversation Street Awards. Know who won. We know the winners. We had to look this morning, <laughs> didn't we? We closed, <coughs> closed the polls on um, on Sunday night, but we didn't have a look yesterday because we were having a no podcast day yesterday. So just this morning we opened up the results and ooh, yes, we know who all the winners are. So um, hopefully by the end of the week um, we will get that to you. And we have already got some um, acceptance speeches, haven't we? Some yes. of our winners have been on it with giving us They're reception speeches, thrilled. so thank you very much. Thrilled. They are so thrilled. Um, so, yeah, look out for that. I um, hope you're all excited about it, and some of your picks get voted number one. But um, you just have to wait and see for that one. Um, so, I think what we have got now, if I'm right, tonight there's no Corian. And then we've got a, I think then there's a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday Corian. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. I'm absolutely deadly serious about this one. And so I think maybe the next Street Talk episode we're going to record will be like Monday, maybe. We'll just have to wait and see because we, and that, that's going to be about four episodes. And I don't think we can manage any more than that in one. You'd be sick of us. So um, until then, I hope you will have a lovely week. I hope you have a good new year and all the best at the end of 2022. But yeah, look out for the awards show. Gemma, final words for our Christmassy episode. Bandersnatch. What was it? It's the end of Christmas. Say something Bandy nice and festive. Festive greetings to you brilliant she means that everybody goodbye thank you for listening to Ra and the music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com oh.